Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 342. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, it's a good week for comics. Well, it's a good week to be a DC fan, I would say. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Matt, there's like almost no comics yeah. out this week. What the hell are you talking yeah, yeah. about? <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get to the news, but it was a good week for shops. I will say that much. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh well, okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. Now, I get what you're saying. Some yeah. books were selling yeah. out because of some announcements we'll yes. get to in the yeah, news. Yeah. But yes. for, for That's what I meant by it. just a good yeah. comic. For, right? for new comics coming out, though, it was a, you yes. know, it was a quiet week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't actually a bad I, week. It was just a quiet week. No, I meant comics in the in the bigger sense and as a whole at DC. So. <laughs> in the more metaphysical sense. Yes. Very good. Mm-hmm. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together mm-hmm. and we talk about the books we read this week, which this week, brace yourselves for this list. We have ah. the Flash One Minute War special and we have DC mm-hmm. Power a celebration. And then that's pretty much it. Although, yeah. because obviously it's so late, I did do both my Patreon books this week. So I've got American Vampire issue 29 and kicking off my next run that I'm doing, sort of replacing uh, Animal Man, Animal. which was the previous slot. Um, I'll be kicking off Batman and the Outsiders, although that starts with a story from the Brave and the Bold issue 200, which is what I'm talking about today. So, uh, so yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. What a fun new uh, run that I've not read before. So Is that is that when, Ween? No, it's uh, Mike Barr and uh, Jim Aparo. I thought, oh, okay. I don't have it in front of me right now. Cool. I'll tell you later. But <laughs> I want to say that's who it was. Uh, so. Cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, so that's what's coming up. But luckily, they did give us some big news. Mm-hmm. Now, normally week fives, because this is a week five week, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with the comic schedule, you know what I mean by that is that the books are coming out every Tuesday, so they schedule for four weeks per month. But every few months, there's a fifth week and you'll get a few specials or annuals and that's kind of it. Because news tends to be tied more to solicits, we don't usually get a lot of news to sort of like help fill in that week a little bit. Mm-hmm. But luckily this week, uh, we did get some big news for movies and TV stuff, so we will uh, talk about that. But uh, there's plenty of time this week, Matt, for a comic song yeah, the top is. 10. That's not what I thought you were going to say, that's why I agreed. Yeah. And although to be honest, because so few books came out, particularly from DC this week, yeah. uh, the Tuesday top 10 is... <laughs> dire <laughs> i mean it's even technically a t- i mean technically there's some trades that came out from yeah. random places that make up to a 10 but i mean it's you know well we'll, we'll get into it but what do you think number one is for for tuesday from comiXology as of right now i mean i want to say that it's the the one minute war special but Probably going to be the power, uh, DC Power Celebration one. It's neither of those. Really, it's Lazarus Planet, isn't it's it? It's the Lazarus Planet uh, yeah. book. I yep. was thinking more digitally then, because I feel like these digital books are, are or these digital, these well, bigger books are primed for digital. Here, well, so. here's a here's a slight note on. I think both Power and then the Romance Anthology, which mm-hmm. neither of us wanted to read. Yeah. Uh, I believe both of those went straight up on DC Infinite. Oh. Wow. So their digital sales, you know, regardless of what they might have been, might right. be diminished because they were available if you have that service. Right, right. Okay. So was I? <clears throat> I know that's what I I pick those up digitally because I'm running out of room. So any of these bigger books I get digitally. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just thought maybe that's what other people were thinking. So. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, they're also specials, though, which I, I think some people yeah. assume are going to be valuable at some point, because they're effectively issue ones, <laughs> which, you know... Yeah, I mean, but it's, still... It's a technicality, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, number one's Lazarus Planet, uh, whatever that was called this week. Lazarus Planet, Legends Reborn, number one. There you go. The title's too long for my uh, yes. Amazon sales chart. Uh, number two was The Flash, One Minute War. Okay. Special. Uh, number three was DC Power Celebration. Number four was Batman Legends of Gotham, and number five was DC's Harley Quinn Romances. Uh, and that's all the DC books, so what's after number five, you say? Uh, number six is a Critical Role trade. Okay. okay, that's cool. And then number seven is a Cyberpunk 2077 trade. And then mm-hmm. number eight is Murder, Inc. Volume 1 by Bendis. Yeah, that's a reprint, I think. Yeah, and then number nine is Tales from Harrow County. By Colin Budden. <clears throat> and then number 10 is the ward, uh, Welcome to the Madhouse, which is also a trade. So, yeah, yeah just, is just that by John Carpenter. Doesn't he have a movie called The Ward? He, he has a movie called The Ward, but no, it's by Kevin oh. Scott. Uh, okay. But it's, uh, yeah, so really weird top 10 for Tuesday because DC only released five books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but at least all five books were above the random trades because it'd be worrying if they weren't. Yeah, uh, for sure. For obvious reasons. Uh, Alright, looking at Wednesday then for the rest of the comic book industry, and Marvel's schedule's a lot more, like, unstructured, so they tend to yeah. not necessarily have the quiet week fives because they just kind of, like, schedule for each month yeah. kind of individually anyway. So, what do you number one is? I'm looking at what League of Comic Geeks has, and I know that's a little bit different, uh, what people are pulling. So I don't think it's what's in the top spot there. I'm going to go out on a limb and... and the first X-Book that I see, and that is X-Force 37. Uh, no, number one is Dark yeah. Web Finale, issue one. Oh, that's on the one below. Damn mm. it. Yeah, so number two is Scarlet Witch, issue two. Uh, wow. Number three is Legion of X, issue 10. Number okay. four is X-Force, issue 37. Is. So, uh, has Percy always been on that? Or is it, yes. Uh, yeah, he's well, at least for, for a hot minute. Uh, yeah. uh, Avengers 65 is number 5 uh, and we know Aaron's run's wrapping up soon because yep. I think they've already announced the next Avengers team mm-hmm. uh, number 6 is Moon Knight issue 20 number 7 is Silver Surfer Ghost Light mm-hmm. uh, number 8 is Venom issue 16 uh, number 9 we're out of Marvel and into some indie stuff we have Almighty issue 1 by Edward LaRock and mm-hmm. I may be a La Roche. I see, I'm going super Scottish because I always assume it's a hard yeah. cha rather than a soft cha, but you know. Uh, so that's uh, a new book. And then number 10, uh, going elsewhere, we have Star Trek issue 4. Uh, so, right. a bit of Trek cool. in the top 10. Um, and then there's, so there's some more Marvel. You know, so some of the indie books will beat some of the Marvel. So there's like a Males Morales Spider Man and a Captain America book and stuff mm-hmm. uh, underneath that. But yeah. So yeah, week fives are always a bit strange, especially for the DC day, because DC don't really plan a lot for them. So. Yeah, it's an image, so that was Almighty is an image number one. Yes. So that would be, that makes sense. It's a five issue. Um, apparently it's, the other, it says Max, uh, Mad Max Fury Road style action. Uh, com- combined with the mutated horror of Annihilation in this original sci-fi fantasy epic so take two things and you know smash them together i guess okay <clears throat> well that wraps up the top 10 
And of course, I did say there was a lot of news this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will get into it. And it was obviously the kind of expected, you know, there's been there have been teases that James Gunn and Peter Safran were going to be making their announcements of what their their slate is for DC movies and TV in the next few years. Um, and it's looking like this is the 2024 to 2026 kind of thing. And they're they're calling this chapter one gods and monsters. So obviously mm-hmm. the best thing to compare that to would be like a phase of Marvel. This is like their, mm-hmm. fa- their phase one. Although it's not necessarily an origin phase because they're kind of like jumping mm-hmm. in where all these characters are either established. Well, not all of them, but <clears throat> some of the big ones yeah. are already established. So uh, we're just going to go through the projects here that they've announced and uh, we'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, it mixes movies and TV. It's not like all the movies are first and the TV second. I don't know why they're in this order, but we'll just go in the order yeah. in the article. So, did you watch the video from Gun, or did you just read the article? I just read the article. All right. So, I watched the video from Gun, and it, it was very informative in that the stuff that he added his commentary to these. So, well, I've got, um, I've got I've got some quotes from him okay. and for each okay. of the the uh, gotcha because because there's not descriptions per se, but it's just like mm-hmm. quotes from what he said about them. Okay. Uh, so. All right, so first up, animated TV show mm-hmm. called Creature Commandos, uh, which is definitely... Because one of the things they were saying getting into this is that they want to use the big sort of, like, tentpole characters, which is basically the Trinity, right? to prop up some weirder and smaller characters. And, and you can kind of see that in both the movie side and the TV side. There's mm-hmm. some, some bigger names in both, and then there's some... Weirder names. With Creature Commandos is obviously one of the weirder, smaller properties. Uh, apparently, this this has been written written by Gunn, and he's finished writing it. Uh, Creatures Commandos is comprised of military superhumans, including a human leader, a werewolf, a vampire, Frankenstein's monster, which I assume is just the same Frankenstein as Agent of Shade. That's what I would assume. Yeah, um, and a gorgon. <laughs> don't don't forget the gorgon. Yes. Very important. Uh, so. And one of the characters in this is Weasel, which was in Gunn's Suicide Squad movies. So there's a little bit of... Uh, that, this yeah. definitely feels like a very James Gunn thing. A group of it weird does. characters. I feel like his sense of humor will work well with this troupe. Yeah, it's very it's very B-movie-ish, right? Yeah. Um, when I think of his early work, right, before Guardians, it always had a B-movie quality to it. Um, the image that they have here also has G.I. Robot and someone that looks like Dr. Phosphorus. So... Um, seems like, um, seems like it's going to be a varied cast from, you know, our usual creature commandos. Um, but he also had mentioned in his video, um, that what they want is they want a synergy between these, all these projects. And so the voice cast will also be the live action cast when these guys show up, um, somewhere in live action. Should they show up? Yes. Should they show up? Should they show up? Um, so you've got that, right? So that's first mm-hmm. up. I don't have too much to say about that. It's an animated show. It feels like it'll probably be, like, maybe a lot of fun, but I imagine probably not as essential as some of the other things. Because, no. you know, they are saying, you know, this is this is chapter one, Gods and Monsters, mm-hmm. this slate. And that would suggest that there is a plan and, there's, and they say there's an overall story they're telling. And they even point out one of the things that's more important to the overall story later yeah. on. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, Next up, another show is Waller. This one was kind of already known about. This is a spin-off of Peacemaker. Uh, the interesting thing about this one, and I talked to Connor about all this in the, the almost cancelled yeah. TV news yesterday, so I'm repeating a lot of what I said there. There you go. But um, Waller is kind of like this weird thing where 
because James Gunn's writing a Superman movie, more than that in a second, um, he's not got time to do Peacemaker season two just now, which has been greenlit. So Waller's kind of like, he's setting that up as kind of like the in-between. It's like so that he can yeah. do something related to Peacemaker before he's ready to have the time for Peacemaker. And the funny thing is, is that probably got renewed before he got this gig. So it's like, when will he have the time for Peacemaker season yeah. two? Who knows? Um, but yeah, so obviously this is going to be Viola Davis. Um, it's going to, you know, that's not really even much. in Swaller. She's, going to pro- no, she's pro- just, probably going to be yeah. controlling some super villains, is my guess, because that tends yeah. to be her thing. I mean, probably a hint of Suicide Squad in here, right? I would imagine so. Um, but it's also being written by Crystal Henry, um, who who did Watchmen, the HBO series, and then Jeremy Carver, who was the creator of Doom Patrol. Oh, I'm glad you uh, you knew mm-hmm. that because I. Yep. No, I saw the name there, and I saw it said yeah. Watchmen, but when I read it yesterday, I wasn't sure if it meant the show or the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the, the show. I don't know if she was a showrunner or one of the main writers, but yeah. Um, oh, she, yeah, she, she, wasn't, she wasn't the main showrunner, because the main showrunner yeah. was Damon Lindelof. That's right. So definitely one of the, the lead writers on there, and for as much as I enjoyed Watchmen, um, a show that I did not think I was going to enjoy. Oh, it was very good. Uh, it was very, yes. very good. So this, this makes me excited. I need to go and finish Peacemaker. I just started it, and uh, I've got I think two episodes left, but yeah. it, it's really entertaining. It's it's funny, you know. It's, it's yes, it's very entertaining, but it was just at a, as a point we're trying to keep up and not get spoiled by things, and just you know, because people have to have like the greatest opinions about everything as soon as it comes out, and it's just it's overwhelming. So I'll get back to it. I mean, I do. Not when I say you, you're quiet about it, but the rest <laughs> of the internet. It's like this last episode. I was just trying try to crack a joke. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, peace. I just like <laughs> nothing. It's the last of a show. I'm sure that episode is great. However, the amount of people that I've seen is like, oh my God, it's the greatest, to, you know, the greatest episode in the history of TV ever. I'm like, God, what? It, it, it's okay to like things and it doesn't have to be the best thing ever. You know, it, it, it puts a distaste in it because now like everything's up here. And yeah. you you do have a problem though when something's popular you kind of try mm-hmm. to rebel against it which mm-hmm. is stupid because last of us is fantastic and you should watch i it. will watch last of us but i'm going to watch it when it's all out like i did okay. with, with white lotus right i'm not going to do the week to week thing but it would just be nice to know like you know um like i've seen you talk about how good it is you're like you know as far as adaptations go this is a very it, they're doing things right you're also not out there doing the hyperbolic greatest thing in the history of ever, you know? I mean, I know, um, I very rarely say things like that. I yes. That. Yes. So it's never, it's never you, but like, especially if you're measured on something, I'm actually more key to check it out. Or if you really dislike something, I'm going to be like, Oh, what, what, what did he like in this? And I get curious, you mm, know, mm. but, but yeah, if you're more just kind of measured and be like, yeah, it was okay. I'm more, more prone to watch it. Um, you're more prone so, to watch something when I'm lukewarm on it. That, that's yeah, because that's, that, that's kind of your de facto setting, Pete. But that, you know, that's so, silly. Surely, if I'm praising something, it must be great, and therefore you have to see it. Um, I still haven't seen Avatar, and I know you loved it, so that, that's all I'll say. Just to, go watch Avatar too, right? With your uh, help, Matt, it may cross two point five billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's why I haven't got here because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't take part in that. <laughs> Go watch Avatar 2. Anyway, so that's Waller. Um, out of the movies, well, and again, it's jumping between them. This is the first yeah. movie. 
is Superman Legacy. And uh, this is quoted as really the start of this DCU. Um, it's already announced with gun rating. No director attached. Gun could end up directing it. Um, what I'll be interested here for, just from like gun rating this is that I don't necessarily associate Gunn's rating style with necessarily being applicable to Superman, mm-hmm. but I will say this. Um, th- this quote here is really interesting. It's not an origin story. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He's the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. His, he's kindness in a world that thinks kindness is old-fashioned. That last part in particular is the f- by far the most interesting thing they could have said about yep. making a Superman movie. It is shocking to me that we have not had a Superman story either in movie or really TV, right? And I've not watched season two of Superman alone, so maybe it did mm-hmm. something with it, but I doubt it. Uh, that deals with the fact that Superman is this earnest goody-two-shoes and tries to be that in a world that is cynical and cold mm-hmm. and he's trying to, like, you know, bring some light to it. Right. There's potential there. Yeah. As a Superman fan, I like everything that I hear there. Uh, so, you know... Um, just in it seems like Gunn really does understand the character because that's what he's leading with is the fact that he kind of is old fashioned and that's why he, you know, to to me that's what makes Superman work is that he's not the cynical guy and that's what always rubbed me the wrong way in the other movies is you know he was just so cold and like distant and I didn't feel the warmth to Superman uh, here just with with that the. The whole he's kindness in a world that thinks kindness is old fashioned, you know. You know, Superman persists. That's that's what I like. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, promising. Uh, the, they did say there's going to be some inspiration from All Star Superman, which mm-hmm. I'm going to assume is not necessarily so much plot, but more so just tone, uh, tone feel, yeah. uh, kind of the vibe it's going for. I mean, it is called Legacy, which makes me wonder why you would start with with that. Like, is this his? kryptonian legacy is this his earth legacy you know is it being you know the last son or whatever um or is it like with all-star are these like kind of like the last acts or whatever of superman well definitely uh, not because they opened with this as a young superman oh is that what it says yeah it's a young superman oh. well then it's definitely not that <laughs> yeah which is, <laughs> which is why i'm saying it's definitely not just doing the plot of all-star yeah. superman <laughs> of course. Uh, so there you go. That, that's the Superman Legacy movie. Uh, over at TV next is Lanterns, HBO Max show. Uh, obviously, it's a Green Lantern show. Uh, our vision for this is True Detective, Saffron said. It's going to be Hal and John Stewart. It is a uh, terrestrial show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it plays a big part in the main story that they're telling across the film and TV uh, shared universe, uh, which I was theorizing yesterday might mean that whatever, like, you know, Hal and John are investigating that it makes uh, it up whoever the main villain is for the eventual, you know, chapter yeah. two's big Justice League team up movie or whatever it is. Right. It makes me think that it's not Dark Side, but it, I also don't have any other options. You yeah. know, it could it, be. Some, it, you know, yeah, it could be Dark Side still because if they are investigating stuff, yeah. maybe it's like the influence of like some dark apocalypse energy right. on some people on Earth or something like that. Right. But. Given Darkseid was kind of teased in the last movies, and obviously, yeah, the less we sort of think about them, the better for a while. I imagine maybe they'll go a different route. Yeah, which which I like because that means there's there's some surprise at play here. And just thinking about Green Lanterns uh, or Green Lantern itself, 
it made me think of Blackest Night or whatever, you know, like Necron, a mm. big heavy like that, you know, because uh, in a term like gods and monsters, like I don't think they would actually do a Blackest Night, you know. That said, um, though, the name Gods and Monsters does make me think they might go dark side. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because he's a new god. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> kind of monstrous. Yeah. yeah. So, but, um, yeah, no, I, I like hearing about this with the, the true detective vein, meaning that, you know, it's going to be a detective story and it's going to lean on them being cops. Um, yeah, I also I, wonder... I also wonder if that comparison is also maybe a suggestion they're going to play with the structure of it and maybe it'll jump around timeline-wise or something like that. Um, I don't think it'll go as dark tone-wise as True Detective just because no. it's a superhero show. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's just and, my thought. And they did say it's going to feature Hal and John, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get both of them. And I'm sure we'll get some, you know, cameos from other Lanterns that, that we all like. And like, I can't imagine not seeing one of the Guardians at one point in some form you know, or Salak, at least his voice, so. Yeah, I wonder if they'll be sort of standoffish with that, since it's based on Earth, and it's based with them doing detective mm-hmm. stuff, and it wants to be fairly grounded. I could almost mm-hmm. see not seeing another single Green Lantern or a Guardian until maybe the very end, when it's like, yeah. okay, we're going to go back to report, here's your tease for maybe yeah. the movie that's going to feature all the crazy stuff that you get with Green Lantern or something. I, yeah. yeah. Well, and also True Detective was kind of those two guys doing stuff on their own, too. So that, yeah. that checks out with John and Al, uh, right? That's kind of every story that we read with them is them going against the Guardian's wishes and doing things their own way. So Yeah, so you got that. And then another movie, again, is The Authority. So this is one of the, you know, the, the edgier, weirder picks for one of these movies. Yeah. Uh, so these are Wildstorm characters. And they're incorporating them. They're kind of like a, a different take on the Justice League. Uh, what I think is interesting about this decision to have these is um, kind of like the, the narrative purpose for it, you know, because they're telling this big story that they're uh, supposedly they've got a plan, which I do appreciate that they said, hey, Lantern's is an important backbone to this overall yep. plan. Uh, it feels like it is thought out, at least just from a paper read. I mean, we'll see how it feels when it actually comes out. Uh, but I, I am... I'm optimistic about caring about this new universe when it all gets going, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But uh, my thinking with the authority is that, in the same vein that I was saying that Lanterns might set up the villain or something for like later on in the big grand universe, do you think they've got the authority because they're going to like maybe like fight and fail, you know, against something, and you know that's why we need a Justice League is because the maybe. authority couldn't take something out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not that familiar with the authority. Like every time I jump into Wildstorm stuff, I learn something new. Um, so this is kind of a blind spot for me. But one of the quotes that that he said was, um, "There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats." So meaning like not everything is good guy versus bad guy. So this makes me think that maybe the authority or that in between, you know, like we'll we'll see what the in between looks like before the Justice League to see what they're kind of up against. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. So this has got Apollo, Midnighter, uh, the Engineer, uh, and Jerome Thorndike. Now I don't know if this is a list of confirmed characters for the movie, or if this is just them listing the known characters from the comic. Who those, yeah, who yeah. those characters are? But uh, it's not a, a ridiculous like assumption to think that it'll probably just be them. Maybe some yeah. others. Uh, back to TV, uh, Paradise Lost is a HBO Max show, and it's going to be a Games of Thrones-ish story uh, on Themyscira, uh, and it'll be set before the, the birth of Diana, 
and it'll be all the, the politicking and stuff on Themyscira, which sounds interesting. Um, I, I would read a comic of that if that's what what Historia is. I'm missing out because that sounds interesting. I think what's interesting about this, and the only slight asterisk I have in all this announcement is that mm-hmm. it feels like they're still trying to maybe tailor it slightly to the old movies in that, mm-hmm. like, maybe they're still going to somehow, like, retcon Flash's movie into being the, you know, the, the change a thing. Flash, that, that a, a Flashpoint, cre- if you Yeah, know. that creates the new universe. And honestly, like, you know, I, I, I the Flash movie has me really, like, sad because... I'm not looking forward to it. It doesn't really feel like a Flash movie. It feels like this weird concocted multiverse thing just to like yeah. do everything but an actual Flash movie. And, you know, Connor's optimistic when I talked to him about this yesterday. He was like, well... <laughs> well, he'd not, he's not optimistic about the movie, but he's optimistic oh. that if it doesn't do that well, but they still think Flash is popular, it could end up with us getting a Wally Flash at some point mm-hmm. in the new universe, which would be great. My my skepticism comes from, or my sadness comes from the fact that I think uh, that it's kind of tainting the character between just the production problems, the actors' uh-huh. nonsense, and all that stuff. I'm just worried that the Flash as a character is just going to be like avoided for a long time, and that's a shame know, because I don't know because a lot of people still think of Grant Gustin Flash, you know, and that that hasn't done too much damage, I would think. Um, so that, that's still out there, at least. Yeah, but that uh, show's not that good, though. It's actually actively no, bad most of the time. Still, it's not the same issues that this production had, which I'm still surprised it's coming out. Like, I'm shocked. Um, I, I just, just mean, like, the chances of them doing another Flash movie, unless this one does gangbusters, yeah. uh, which will... But, but even, just we know that they're going to do the TV thing, so maybe we'll get, like, a miniseries-style, you know, Wally thing that sets up Wally that would lead into whatever... Maybe I'm I'm, I'm just say, I'm just saying the entire like climate around it just feels iffy and I don't like yeah. any of it right yeah. and the reason why I'm bringing that up with Paradise Lost is that like this is being left fairly open in the sense that it could be the previous Wonder Woman that this is like mm-hmm. set before but it also could just be a new Wonder Woman and given yeah. the fact that there's going to be a new Superman and a new Batman I think you kind of need to have a new Wonder Woman as well yeah. or it's going to yeah, feel no, really weird yeah no offense to Gal or anything. You know, just fresh, fresh, you know, we, we got rid of Henry, you know. Yeah. And can... honestly, like, my opinion, this has been the same for a while. Fresh slate. Yeah. Eradicate it all. Fresh slate. Yeah. It does make the next couple of movies that are coming out feel worthless, you know, like Aquaman yeah. 2 and Shazam 2 and whatever, but I don't yeah. care. Like, fresh slate. Like, this previous universe is just a mess and is tainted and there's very little good yeah. in it, quite frankly. So They, um... And they're already kind of hinting, I was reading things, they're already hinting that Momoa wants to be Lobo. And, you know, he's already yeah. Aquaman in the universe. So, like, I feel like his days of Aquaman are, you know, behind him. He's, like, already looking at the new thing. So, yeah. Um, and his and Aqu- that dude does... And his Aquaman was not good, so I'm okay with that. I, I, I like him. Um, he's not Aquaman, though. He's just Jason Momoa. Yes, I know. Um, I was going to say... Uh, and then I got sidetracked. So, um... What was I gonna say? All right, move on to the next thing. It might come back to me. Momoa, Aquaman. Yeah, well, go on to the next one. It'll come back. Okay. Well, next up, we're back to a movie, The Brave and the Bold. Uh, so this is an interesting one. It's a, obviously a cool title, but this is actually mm-hmm. going to be the first uh, 
glimpse of this universe's mm-hmm. Batman. It's going to be a Batman and Damien story at the center. Uh, Grant Morrison's run, specifically Batman and Son, has been referenced, which I do like that they're specifically saying, yeah. hey, this is the story that we're kind of adapting, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, probably it won't be exactly the same because it's like a, a presumably a younger part of the universe, younger Batman, all the rest of yeah. it. But they're doing Damien. That's kind of cool. Uh, and there's probably going to be other characters because it's called Raven the Bold, and that tends to be how it rolls. So uh, this is also going to feature other members of the extended Bat family, uh, just because we feel that they've been left out of the Batman stories in the theater for far too long. That's very good, and mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't skip any of them. Not that I think you can realistically give time to all of the Bat family members in a movie because yeah. there's too many of them, but I just hope that, that the door's comfortably open so that any of them can and could exist. Uh, mm-hmm. as things go on. But and the fact that, that Gunn described uh Damien as his favorite Robin and that he's a little son of a bitch in quotes mm-hmm. tells me he understands Damien, right? So yeah. um, I am I, just I'm actively excited for like a proper Bat family. And I think mm-hmm. we're still getting the Batman part two, Matt Reeves movie, which I'm also excited for. Yep. But this one, since it's in the universe with everything else, this is the one that can have Mr. Freeze and Clayface and all the more fantastical and supernatural Batman villains. Don't do forget it. Ninja Ninja Man Bats, all right? We, we can have that in this one. That's, we can, yes. So, know, so, by all means, this is this is a great idea. Uh, and, ba- Batman Part 2, by the way, has been dated for October 3rd, 2025 as well. So we got yep. that uh, and, on the way too. And he, he you know, name-checked Elseworlds. Like, this is going to get Elseworlds branding. Um, the the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson, Batman, which, which yeah, I like. That's interesting that they're trying. They're going to try and use that phrasing in movies to say, "Here, here's what's in the universe, and here's just what's separate and standalone." Yeah. I wonder if Joker Two also gets saddled with an Elseworlds tag. I I think he when he brought this up, I think that's one of the other ones. He yeah, because there, there's a there's a different name to Joker Two. I forget what the subtitle of it is, but um, he had, he had threw that in with the Elseworlds too, which. This is something that I've always thought they should do. You know, I feel like now that multiverses are pop culture and, you know, people can understand the differences in 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 different things, like, why not brand things Elseworlds? Like, they could have done this... I feel they could have done this a couple of years ago for things, but... Yeah, yeah, but they didn't really... They couldn't have done because they hadn't really established what the main universe was, and it was all True. over the place, so... True. You can only do this once you've actually got a firm universe in place and a plan for what is and what isn't uh, part yeah. of it. Uh, but yeah, so very intrigued by this movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're saying this... Yeah, I think at the top it's, it gave like an actual time frame for what all these were meant to be coming out in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something like 2025 to 2027. Yeah, 2025 yeah. to 2027. That's the exact time frame. Because yeah. uh, Superman's supposed to be out in July of 2025 and then Batman will be out in October of 2025, it says. Um, yeah, so, which, you know, makes sense. I think if this all hits within about a year, two-year period, it will feel probably quite concise, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Next is a TV show, and it is one that probably made Matt's eyes pop out of his head, and that was yep. Booster Gold, uh, which the description here reads, it's a TV series about a loser from the future. That's all you need mm-hmm. to know. Uh, he is! John Michael <laughs> Carr is not a good guy. That's why he comes to the to the past to make it big, you know? I don't know if Gunn's going to end up writing this, but I could see Gunn's yeah. sense of humor working for for Booster Gold oh, quite easily. Easy, easy. Um, it, yeah, just also the fact that the there sent there there seemed to be a positive buzz from from the social media side of things, where 
here I was thinking I was on an island being a Booster Gold fan. And come to find out, there's a lot of Booster Gold fans out there. I just never knew. Um, so uh, that makes me excited that the the show will have some buzz when it comes out. And, you know. Hey, it may uh, elevate him. He may become yeah. this uh, yeah. good, uh, not like a serious superhero tentpole. No. Because he's too much of a comedy state character for that. But yeah. he may become like a very, it's, you know, cult. He's, he is kind of that Paul Rudd Ant-Man kind of vibe, right? Oh, you yeah, know, I can see a, that comparison. A lighter tone, more fun, you know. So I'm super excited. So that that it's already going to be my favorite TV show. I'm already putting it out there, you know. I don't know. We were compared to Homelander yesterday, uh-huh. and just in the sense that he's like, I can see Anthony Starr playing Booster. Huh? It, it shouldn't because he's already Homelander and it's yeah, too yeah. similar. But, but that, that vibe where yeah. he thinks, yeah, there's a different of, how he perceives himself versus how he actually is. He's Homelander uh, with hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my description of Booster Gold. And, he, and he's not going to laser people's chests because that's not one of Booster's things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say what you want, but laser my F in Tits is still one of the yep. best lines of dialogue in TV yes. history. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, um, but, uh, so... but yeah, and then, and then Skeets and just the, the inner balance between them, I'm sure that'll have um, Gun's sense of humor throughout too. I'm, Super excited for this. Yeah. Well, we don't know if he's writing it, though. He may not be writing it. Well, no, but, but like what you said, with his sense of humor, like, that is prime for that vibe, you know, mm. the, the, the balance between them. Uh, and the next one's kind of a surprise to me is uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, based mm-hmm. on Tom King's comic. Now, obviously, we like that comic a lot, so this is yes. great news. I like that this is based on an actual thing. I'm pleasantly surprised at this because I felt like... Because there's a Supergirl character in this Flash movie that's coming up, and again, mm-hmm. I have nothing against you know the actor or like putting right. a, putting the character in a Flash movie, but it feels like just one extra kind of like character too many in what should be a mm-hmm. Flash movie. I'm actually really pleased that this is a fresh uh, Supergirl movie that's given her a chance to really stand alone. I would not have expected a Supergirl project in the same slate as Superman, but... Obviously, Superman's going to be the story of Superman fitting on and on Earth. We know uh-huh. that Supergirl story is true, grit in space. This is going to be a space adventure. Mm-hmm. So, not only is this going to give Supergirl a spotlight to hopefully become an even bigger deal and be up there with Wonder Woman as far as like the general public go for mm-hmm. female DC characters, but you're also giving us a very different type of movie to Superman. You're giving us a very distinct thing. And it wouldn't surprise me if this is a hit and people like it, that Supergirl will become more associated with doing stuff in space than mm-hmm. doing stuff on Earth like a second Superman. Even though I like yeah. when she does that too, but I yeah. can see the appeal of trying to make that distinction and say, yeah. no, Supergirl is going to go around the universe, she's going to do different things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of potential in that. And yeah, yeah the, the, the trade sold out on Amazon within a day of uh, this announcement. So yep. uh, it's got some buzz going. Uh, yeah. So very, very excited for that. Um because, you know, that book had its, you know, it was a roller coaster of emotions. So if we're going to get that in a movie, you know, I'm just thinking some of the vignettes that we got, you know, like if they're going to adapt it all the way and just seeing that on the big screen is going to rock. Like, I'm very excited. Yeah. So that's really cool. Uh, and then also something of a second or third chance is that they're mm-hmm. going to do a Swamp Thing movie. Uh, and the best news about this is actually news that came out separately afterwards about who might be directing it because James Mangold's attached to direct this after Indiana Jones 5. 
he of course did Logan as well as other things mm-hmm. uh, in, in the past that have been very good. Mm-hmm. So he's a great choice. Um, there's a direct references to this being based on Alan Moore's run, uh, which is also very exciting. Which is uh, very... Um, I'm going to have to visit that now because that's been a blind spot for me for a while. But oh, sure. It's that, very good. That one's very horror-like. Really, yeah. Right? I, I said this yesterday on the TV news with Connor, but like I'll say it now. If they can capture the tone that that book has in, in movie form, mm-hmm. I will love this and it will maybe be my favorite of the entire slate. Like, yeah. if they can capture what that book felt like, yeah. I will I'm love this. Track, I'm going to have to track these down now, because um, I'm outside of, like, Watchmen and whatever happened to The Man of Tomorrow, I haven't read a lot of Alan Moore. Mm. Um, so this this might be the time to remedy that. So Yeah, all the thing I'll uh, say is the first issue, if you're reading the collections, uh, yeah. he kind of came in and finished, like, an arc that was already going, so the yeah. first issue is kind of a weird last chapter or something else you haven't read, so yeah. don't put too much stock in that first one, and then... But we, after that yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure because i do love i do love the different version like of swamp thing that we've gotten like the scott snyder book i, I really liked the, the places that it went but i'm a real big fan of the charles soul that essentially was him doing superhero stuff within the green big fan of that run i mean i think um, ram v stuff did have a lot of influence from the alan moore yeah. side so and i love that as well like i so far in in all my times of reading swamp thing i've never been like never not looked forward to swamp thing Right, like it's always been a book that I'm. It's so different uh, from like most superhero stuff as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's one thing I do like about this slate is you've got a couple it's varied. Of, yeah, it's very varied. You got a couple of tentpole things. You got a Superman movie mm-hmm. and a Batman and Robin movie. Effectively, uh, they're not calling it that, but that's effectively what it seems to be. Yeah. Um, but you also have a space adventure with Supergirl. You've got a more sort of like, uh, you know, Swamp Things. This kind of like horror, mm-hmm. like sad monster story. Uh, authority's probably going to be more of a like a cynical, satirical take mm-hmm. on on superhero stuff, uh, and even the TV shows. Likewise, you've got your detective Green Lantern show. But you've also got your sort of darker side Waller story about her doing villainous stuff, uh-huh. uh, and then you've got you know your Game of Thrones, you know Wonder Woman story, and then you've got your comedy Booster Gold. It's a very varied yeah. set of things, kind of like comics themselves, right? Like that's what we've always wanted. At least I say we. I'm, I'm, but you know, there's different comics out there, and they shouldn't all have the same tone. You know, they should be able to be different things. Oh, I, yeah, I, I really hope these have different tones. I will be mm-hmm. so disappointed if, like, this Swamp Thing movie feels the same tone as the Brave and the Bold movie. They should yeah. feel different. Um, one of the things that I think got really boring for me with the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. is just how it is the same tone pretty much constantly. Yeah. Uh, sure. so I, you know, and I, I have fallen off that universe. I, you know, the, the current DC movies, I am not excited for any of the ones coming out. Uh, other than I guess Batman part two, cause I like the first one, but this slate on paper, I like the sound the most of it and mm-hmm. I hope that it lands. Well, I really do. And yeah, I was already in on the swamp thing horror movie and then they attached, uh, Mangold's name. Uh, and like, I'm already... I'm already excited. Like, I love Logan. Logan is one of my favorite, you know, superhero movies. I would say even movies up there. Like, that movie hit hit all the right spots for me. So, if he's going to bring that kind of quality to a Swamp Thing movie, then let's go. Also, he made me care about car racing in Ford vs. Ferrari. I don't care anything about cars. Um, so, like, he did the impossible there. So, I'm 
super excited for that. Yeah, uh, the, the TV show from a few years ago was really, really bad, but I will say Swamp Thing in it looked perfect. The actual design yeah. of them looked great, so uh, great. if they keep that look, who, and then... Who starred in that uh, Swamp Thing? Oh god, I have I no know. idea. It wasn't a big name? I don't remember if it was a big... I don't think it was, but I could be okay. wrong. Because this was the one that was originally on... It was DC was Infinite, on... and then yeah, it aired on right. CW, but it only got one season, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm looking this up. Yeah. Uh, oh wow, Virginia Madsen was in it. Yeah, yeah, she was in it. Um, yeah. it's it's one oh, of these sure. things where it feels like some of these projects are like genuine, like second or third chances for characters. Or I guess it's Superman. I guess it's like even more than that. But mm-hmm. you know, it's characters who haven't really either gotten the right due. Like the Supergirl show obviously had some bright spots, but you know, kind of went downhill as it was going. Um, Swamp Things had some failed attempts in the past. Like I kind of like that those, they're, they're making serious efforts, seemingly, with some characters. Um, and even the idea, like, obviously Batman's been well-served and there's been great Batman movies, but finally trying to do a proper Batman with a Bat family and Robin and stuff like that does feel like, okay, we're going to actually try and do the things that haven't been done yet. We're going to try and do the parts of DC Comics that you love in the comics, but no one's really tried to capture successfully on screen yet. Mm-hmm. And that has me optimistic, and I hope these projects work out, and I hope they're good. So, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure, optimistic. I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, it could all crash and burn. They could all end up sucking, but I am optimistic at this juncture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess that'll wrap up the uh, the news. So, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll talk about comics then. Uh, we got yeah. uh, a couple of new books to talk about. Uh, the Flash One Minute War special, uh, by Jeremy Adams and a bunch of artists because mm-hmm. there's four chapters. So we'll bring up the uh the artists yeah. as we as we go through. As we go. Um. So yeah, this uh, it's basically just a, a series of shorts that tie into the current uh, storyline. Um, this tends to work better when it's more focused like this because it's you mm-hmm. know because the first story for example is a bit of backstory on the the enemy you know the faction, the and, faction. and where they come from and mm-hmm. there's how they develop technology that tapped into the speed force they don't call it that you know they just no. call it this energy source but uh and how they became greedy and they built all this technology uh and they but it took a lot of resources so they had to start like sort of stealing speed force energy from other worlds and then eventually, when they found a natural a speedster, because they need technology, they need suits, and they need like tech yeah. to like do all this. And, and it seems like it's a big deal too, right? Like the suit that the original guy used to get um, powered up is a very Doc Ock esque. Like there's you know these these tubes and stuff that run to them and whatever. Yeah. Well, that, 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 but that, what I was getting at, though, is that that's why they call speedsters organics, because right. speedsters can just do it without technology. Mm-hmm. Like, they're connected right. to the speed force. So when they first found a speedster on whatever universe they're in, on whatever planet yeah. they were on, it let them tap into the idea of the multiverse, and that's when they started going around and doing this. And, you know, it says that at first they only went to worlds that were about to die, and they'd get what right. was ever left. But then they got more greedy, and it kept, yeah. you know snowballing and and the idea that the their world was not unlike ours at the beginning there's a lot of you know analogies to to earth and whatever and we see their empress in shadow constantly so i'm sure there's going to be some type of reveal yeah she's got this veil on 
Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. the main guy, Vel, here in this story, who was the first mm-hmm. guy to use the tech, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll go and conquer all these worlds for you if you agree to take my hand in marriage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she agrees, even though this is like a faux pas for him to do that. Uh-huh. So uh, he's been promised that he'll marry the Empress uh, when all these invasions are done. Although I suspect that she doesn't ever really intend to, would just be my guess. I feel like she, her the invasions will never end. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Out. yeah uh, so. so yeah, and that's basically it. so. Um, well, this is a series of like short stories, kind of like those Lazarus Planet things. I think I like this generally more because at least at least this first one, by and large, enhances the main story by giving us more context for the the villain. Yeah. This feels a bit more focused and well thought out, and probably part of that is because it's all written by the writer of the main story. It's not a bunch of different writers coming in to do all these shorts. Right. Uh, and they're all enhancing things. For example, the second story is how uh, Avery gets involved in everything, because it yep. sh- shows that she was fighting this villain, and that's when they invaded. And she was one of the few Flash characters who wasn't in the main story. Like, you know, all the others uh-huh. we sort of cut around. Her, yep. we didn't. So... We see her fighting uh, this villain uh, whose name Who's, I... Who steals her soul. Who steals uh, her soul. She seems all right, though, without it. Well, she's going yeah. to get it back, I noticed. But, and so what, what he's going to do is, is if he can get into the upper atmosphere, it'll it'll essentially be doomed for the planet. And so uh, as she's fighting this guy, he takes her soul and absorbs it and, you know, is going to fly up into the atmosphere. And then the, the fraction strike... He freezes and then they take him, right? Which I'm assuming because they they got some of the speed force energy off of her, um, off of her soul, right? That's why they were gonna take that guy. Um, but they go to take him into space, so she has to hop onto the the, the spaceship and and make sure that her soul doesn't detonate. Which I, I like; that was very fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's mostly an action sequence. The art on this one is uh, Serge Akuna. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's basically her dressing up. She gets her soul back. She fights some of these soldiers from uh, mm-hmm. the Fraction. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, the third story is actually, I'd say, I'd say that out of the first two, I like the, the backstory for the villains more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I like the third story, maybe my favorite of the four, actually, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this little horror story where a few of the soldiers from the Fraction notice this big mansion, mm-hmm. uh, and they go in and they're looking around to see if they can find anything, and you see like this knife in the kitchen, like in the foreground and it's like, oh wait a minute, what's mm-hmm. going to happen here? And the soldiers start dying one by one like we're in a slasher movie, and you're like, okay who's it? And I, I was thinking Thon I was like, okay, this is an evil speedster um, Who yeah, is I'm it? I'm thinking Thon, I'm thinking Cicada, right? Sure, sure, sure like these people that have ties to the speed force or maybe Savitar, yeah, you know, yeah. somehow they're and was not guessing who it ends up being, which was nice. So, yeah. Uh, and I really like this one. It's probably my favorite art of the book. The issue, yeah. I'd say, uh, it's very moody, like, cause yeah. it does feel like a horror movie. Um, so they did a very good job. Yeah. It's all suspense. It's shadows. It's the silhouette of the villain holding the knife. And then the last page of course reveals who it is. And it's yeah. Godspeed. <laughs> Godspeed's back. Everyone. <laughs> So, which I forgot where he went, but I know he was in trouble the last time we saw him. I, no, I kind of uh, love it because it's. Um, I just love the idea of like we haven't really thought about what are the evil speedsters mm-hmm. up to during this one minute war because yeah. that's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, the sure. art, the art here is by Lissandro uh, Estherin, and yeah. it's got it has like a sort of watercolor look to it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really nice. Like I, I, I yeah. think it's a really effective little horror story. Mm-hmm. So, I think the reason why this works really well 
despite the fact that sometimes these like collections of short stories I mentioned already that the main writer's doing all of them, which obviously helps. But I think the fact that the main the main story was cutting around the different characters anyway, this just kind of feels like a longer issue that yeah. happens to be split into four segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Godspeed's in the mix. That's kind of exciting. Um, the one that feels the most kind of separate, although this is probably setting some things up for later stories, I imagine, I from Jeremy Adams. Because the, the first story is uh, called Past, right? And it's the backstory mm-hmm. of the villains. The middle two stories are called Present Part 1 and 2, so they're both taking place mm-hmm. during the, the one-minute war. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last story is called Future, and it's got art by uh, George uh, Cambadius, and mm-hmm. it's uh, set in the future, and it's Jay, Wally's son, grown up, uh, uh-huh. and he's got complete control of his powers. Uh, the Fraction have shown up again, and he's controlling his powers well enough now that he doesn't freeze this time, um, yep. And once he destroys their spire that causes everything to s- slow down, he's able to use his strength. Um, but what this actually does is bring back a character that was introduced a little while ago, and that is uh-huh. Gold Beetle. And it sets up that Gold Beetle and Jay are, uh, well, not a couple yet, but they're... No, they they're, will be. They're interested in each other. They, uh-huh. they kiss. There's a bit of a flirtation. Uh, they've met once before. Obviously, we see i briefly, mm-hmm. who says she sent in a friend who knows you. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I really laughed at so her skeets is a more of a ship called Beats, Beats. and I really laughed at uh, Beats giving her this big introduction before she appears. Uh, uh-huh. It's like she's like a, a wrestler and she's got like a hundred nicknames. Yeah. And uh, let me know if I, you know. I would just uh, the Queen Read of the off. Quantum Realm, the Wave Rider Warrior. Oh, next page. Uh, the Tiara of Time, the Princess of Paradoxes. I'm not gonna lie, this was making yeah. me laugh. I, I was, I, I was into this. I loved all that because it does fit that Booster Gold, right? Because she's Gold Beetle, she's she's the fusion of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, you know. So the fact that, of course, she would have this, all of these. Um, yeah, and, it's, and it's yeah. like Blue Beetle's ship combined with yep. Skeets. That's that's what this yep. is. Is those two yep. things put together? So, uh, so my art, the art in this part was probably my least favorite of the issue. I think the faces were fine. I really yeah. didn't like the weird sort of like limbs that were going on. The proportions were off in the action sequences. Yeah, well, it was very intentional. It was it was almost mm-hmm. like a I wouldn't quite say Riley Rosmo esque, but it yeah. it had this thing Styles. where it was doing like you know Jay's legs would be like stretched out over three yeah. panels, and it would just look really wonky. And I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, ah, I don't. It wasn't, wasn't sloppy. It. it just wasn't to my taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree so, with that. Not to my taste. Yeah. Uh, but I did yeah. like the I like the chemistry between these two characters, and it made mm-hmm. me wonder. Oh, I wonder how this is going to be brought back up later because it's not going. To, it's obviously not going to naturally just come up in the main story. Like this is going to yeah, be no. another segment in the future or something. Yeah, at some I'm point. sure. I'm sure because we've seen Gold Beetle. That was when uh, Barry was bouncing around, right? Or was that no? That was Wally. Was it was when Wally around. was bouncing around. We met Gold yeah, Beetle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we we met her, and she seemed to know a lot of things, and and they were hinting at it. Um, I also thought we were going to get uh, Jay's superhero name. I'm still waiting for that, you know? He probably um, hasn't thought... picked it yet, which is why it's not. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, like, I thought this would have been the time to reveal it, right? Because he's he's uh, older in the future. He's, you know, probably early 20s, you would guess, here. Um, well, it gives so... us a year. Yeah. What, sure. what does it say? I'm pretty sure it was more than that. <laughs> okay. Now, admittedly, that doesn't mean that he's older. I, I just mean that we can't judge it based on the uh, yeah. the year. Oh, I know he has he has it. He's still Surge, right? It's Irie who we don't know 
her her full. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Good, good point. Yeah, that's right. He's Surge. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, oh no! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I read it as the year two thousand nine hundred twenty. Yeah. He says action log two thousand nine hundred twenty. Yes. So it's just that's his log entry, not the year. Never mind. Right. Never mind. Okay. So yeah. I also like that she's like, you know. So so do you keep a diary? You know, like because he's talking about the flashbacks and whatever. He's like, it's not a diary; it's an action log. Like, I just thought that line was also very funny. It's not a comic yeah. because it's a graphic novel. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he's very much related to his dad that way. You know what I mean? There's a goofiness to Jay um, that I like. But yeah, no, it's Irie. I thought we were gonna get Irie's name because he didn't call her Flash or anything. No, um, no. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoyed this by and large. If anything, mm-hmm. the Avery story is probably my least favorite because it was the most straightforward. Mm-hmm. It was still fine, mm-hmm. like you know. But yeah. I loved the horror story of the third one. I thought the backstory added a little bit of layers yeah. to the villains. Um, so this is the essential. This is essential for the trade, I would say. Like I think you need to put this in. Oh yeah, this is just chapter what three at this point. If, effectively, you know I mean? yeah, it's like an interlude yeah. chapter, but it is a chapter. Yeah, uh, and you know the the final story. I, like I really like the characters in it, so it makes me excited to see them again at some point in the future. Yeah. So, uh, I would say this is a very very worthwhile add on to the main Flash book. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder why they didn't call it an annual. Maybe just because there was already an annual, or there's going to be an annual later that in could the year. Be. And I mean, just the one minute, uh, the one minute war special works as well. You know, uh, versus yeah. an annual. No, I'll, so. I don't really care. I'm just debating that usually yeah. they would just call this an annual and just mm-hmm. put it out like that. In fact, there was no yeah. annuals this week for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. But, because uh, usually there is in a week five, but. Yeah. Hey-ho. Um, all right, what are you giving the Flash One Minute War special? I'm going to give this a solid eight. Yeah, I'll agree with the eight. I, I think, obviously, the stories bounce up and down mm-hmm. a little bit, but I, I would say overall it averages out to be an eight. Yeah. I'm also, you know... Uh, Jeremy Adams' Flash Run is becoming one of the special ones for me right now. That it really has to go out of its way to be bad for me to lower to do to give any lower because I just enjoy reading them. And so I much. had to convince you to catch up. Mm-hmm. You did. It wasn't something that I was. You know, I feel as much as I love Josh Williamson, I felt like I needed a break. I took that break and then I missed the Flash because the Flash has been my consistent. And that was one of the first books I started collecting uh, when I started reading comics again. So. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it feel, it's feeling like one of these special runs that we'll talk about, you know, the Adams Flash run, like we do with Wade and, and John's. So, um, and this is just adding more to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I think, I think it's felt that special early on. I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like it's escalating and getting better, though, uh, recently, which is, is good, which means a lot of groundwork was laid and uh, it's, it's starting mm-hmm. to really pay off, which is, which is nice. So... Uh, yeah, that's the Flash. Um, DC Power, a celebration. Obviously, this is the special put out for Black History Month. Um, so it's largely, obviously, black creators writing uh, black characters. There is a reprint or two towards the end. Um, one of which I didn't realize was a reprint and I read it because I hadn't read it before. Yep. Uh, the final story is a Joe Mullen story, but it's actually just an excerpt from issue five, I think it said, of her Green Lantern book, Far Sector. So I didn't read that one because we mm-hmm. uh, we literally did it, but back when it came out. So, um, yeah. but uh, so you know, uh, it's hard to complain too much because it's still like you know seventy pages on your stuff. But yeah. uh, worth mentioning, there is a little bit of a, a reprint thing going on at the end. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, first story. Uh, after Black a break, there's, there's, there's a nice foreword actually by John Ridley. I don't know if you read that. Uh. 
Yeah, and it's it's anytime someone starts questioning about you know them adding superheroes for representation, I'm just gonna point them to this because the way that Ridley explains it with you know growing up he loved Superman and Batman, but they didn't look like him, and then they started to get heroes that looked like him and it meant the world to him, and then he it, it brings around to the point where he gets to write these characters now, and then he gets excited to show his son you know, these new characters and his characters, his son's kind of like, yeah, but like, where's the one that looks like me? Um, and it's just this thing that, you know, you just got to keep trying harder. And, you know, representation is about people, you know, finding themselves in the characters as much as it is, it is just putting the characters out there and making them relatable as if, you know, Ridley had related to Superman and Batman as he was growing up. Um, so yeah. So anytime someone starts complaining about that, just like, yeah, I really wrote this really nice thing. Maybe you should read it. Maybe get some, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not context, but perspective. Perspective on on this, you know. Um, but it doesn't help that John really, really does have a way with words. I mean, the man's been nominated for a bunch of awards when it comes to writing, so you know, yeah. not surprised. So first up, we get an amazing man's story written by Evan Narcissus and mm-hmm. art by Daryl Banks. Uh, so this is from what squadron? No, all all star squadron. All star squadron. Yeah. Now, Pete, if you had to guess about me, did did I go on a deep dive on Amazing Man? Of course you did. You looked up a bunch of history on this character. One hundred percent. So once we get through talking about this, I will talk about the almost that Amazing Man is this lost character in time. Um, that and I feel like a lot of these DC characters that popped up around right after World War Two were much bigger deals and for whatever reason kind of got lost at time but uh, well i think this is maybe my favorite story in the whole book mm-hmm. and i think part of that is because it had to like sort of set up maybe it's because i don't know the character that well so it was actually quite interesting learning who he was and w- what he was about but also i really like the art in this story it feels very yeah. um i don't know uh it, it feels of the era but not from the era Right? Honestly, like it looks like, it, it looks a little bit like um, I wouldn't quite say it looks like Fornes, but it has kind of a, that quality yeah. to it, right? I could see this being like set in the Watchmen universe or something and mm-hmm. fitting in there. Um, yeah. but you know, it's about this character, uh, amazing man who can like turn his body into any material he touches, and what it deals with because it's set after World War Two is the idea that you know he, he went off and he fought for the country and all the rest of it. But now there's this anti-cape sentiment post-World War II, so he's hiding along with a lot of the other superheroes. Um, but it ties into, obviously, the, you know, there's, there's allegories, of course, to black characters coming, you know, or, I say black characters, black people yeah. who were in a war, came back, mm-hmm. but weren't treated as heroes like everyone else was. They, right. they were just kind of forgotten about. And this story deals with the fact that the, the, the government wanted to, like, knock down like a whole black neighborhood so they can build a highway and things like that mm-hmm. and we get this villain who's like just like this you know kkk style guy the called clan robot yeah called all american <laughs> yeah. yeah um and effectively the story is about the fact that this is uh amazing man by the end is going to decide that he shouldn't be hiding and he should still be trying to help and like save people and stop bad guys yeah you know he's, so, so- he, he shouldn't have to hide because the, the world is making him feel scared you know right is that he should be you know standing up for other people regardless and so because what he does you know he he says that he picks up a bunch of jobs and it's kind of like the incredibles right where you know 
Bob's not supposed to be doing superheroing anymore, but he can't help himself when people need help. So like, you know, Amazing Man is is a driver, and when he sees stuff going wrong, he still gets involved. Um, and and that's how he comes across uh, this this all American guy who just looks like a clown. Like, um, yeah. So all American and like the original stories was a robot, and it's referenced here. But there's yeah. this new guy that's got like an all American thing, and he's yeah. using like our man's uh, like dust. His, the, to... the Miraclo, yeah, yeah. Miraclo pills, which which ties into a story where he stopped using them for a, for a ray because he was getting addicted to them and he lost a stash of them in Detroit. And it's, it, you know, this guy came across them. And so, you know, amazing man. I also like that because he can absorb whatever he touches, he takes on those properties. So think like, you know, Colossus becomes steel, you know, the organic steel. Well, amazing man can do that with bricks if he's touching bricks or he keeps a brass key, right? Which is you know, close to his skin tone enough that he won't stand out. That, that, you know? That's so, his stealth tactic, is that maybe yeah. people won't notice that I've well, turned into metal if, if it's so similar he, to my skin color, yeah. Yeah, so he keeps this brass key with him and he he transforms and fights this guy and it was all just, you know, um, this, this really good, you know, post-World War II story that also puts, you know, American history at the forefront because, yeah, like Pete was talking about, there's all these stories that these guys went and fought a war and then when they come back, they get treated like, you know, like they're not equal. And, you know, they were just as equal on the battlefield, you know. So, um, which also ties into stuff that, you know, Tom King's talking about in, in the Gotham City um, year one story, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so here, you know, he decides he wants to use his power for good again. And um, also, he really is looking like Luke Cage here at the end. Which, you know, maybe a different color um, sweater here at the end instead of the yellow and the bald head, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, so um, this led me on a deep dive of the character. And I'm like, how come we don't hear about Amazing Man more, right? When we get we get brought up on these all these World War II heroes, you know, um, and going through these articles in the comics in the 70s, they had treated Amazing Man as one of the like like people that, that spoke up for black rights in the DC universe, amazing man is only behind Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. So like he is a big deal in universe continuity as being this guy that stood up for rights. And hmm. I think like whatever writers are writing right now, you know, start incorporating the stuff back in there. Cause I, I like that. I like when, when the DC universe has this alternate history, you know, that that's similar to ours, but just a little bit different and having a character like this, that, you know, came back from the war. And even though this, the society doesn't like him, he's still going to stand up for it. Cause that's, he knows in his heart what's right. And he's going to stand up for people like him. Um, yeah. He has to keep yeah. fighting no matter what. That's kind mm -hmm. of the, yeah. The and so just, you know, this again made me, you know, and I, and I, I already like the world war two heroes. There's a pulpiness to them, but, Throwing them in the real world scenarios here and having them fight. I, I'm just gonna. I know he's not a robot, but the clan robot did really crack me up because it was a robot that was wearing a hood, you know. Um, but but yeah, and just seeing him up there with the rest of the All Star Squadron with with Liberty Bill and the original Jesse Quick, and you know those characters shouldn't be forgotten. I shouldn't be having to do a deep dive right after I read this. He should be up there, you know, um, 
like when we talk about the original Mr. Terrific, right, and the fair play whole thing, we should be talking about uh, Amazing Man in there too. So, and I'm glad the story um, showcases him as much as it does. Yeah, no, that was probably my favorite of the book just because I learned about a new character and it was probably one of the more well-rounded stories in that it told a story. Like there was a clear beginning, yeah. middle, and end where it was mm-hmm. like, okay. He's sort of, he's hiding, but he's going to ultimately decide to come out because he should. It felt like there was a nice arc in the story, so it felt really full-formed, yeah. mm-hmm. which is really nice. Uh, next up was a Black Lightning story, uh, written by Lamont McGee mm-hmm. and art by Criss Cross. So yeah. uh, this is Jefferson's at a, like a meeting uh, they're, where they're talking about uh, metahumans and they want to segregate the metahuman kids because they're prone to violence, as the one guy puts it. And obviously, the allegory here is quite straightforward. This yep. is you know talking about the separation of kids, and uh, the story is called "Separate but Equal." Uh, yeah. And Jeff says, "You know that's always bullshit. That's never true." Um, so, but while this is happening, the school is attacked by what appears to be some metahumans. Although the twist later on is that it's actually regular people with technology who don't like metahumans who are trying to pin it on metahumans so that everyone thinks they're dangerous. Uh, but obviously, Black Lightning gets suits up and goes out and fights them. And eventually his daughters show up as well and help out. So this ends up yep. being like a you know, the whole trio of them. Uh, so we get Jen and Anissa uh, there as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, they, yeah. they well, win. And it's also, <laughs> it also opens on the the um, Edmund Pettus Bridge, which was this key, key event with Martin Luther King, where he allowed mm. a march across the bridge. And in fact, that's what the movie Selma really focuses on. Um, because it also opens with Selma, Alabama, and this whole idea of separate is never equal, right? That you can, by the by, the fact that you're separating mean separating them means that you're saying that you know some people are worth more than others, um, and so and it uses here the, the yeah um, Xavier. <laughs> well, you know, with 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 Xavier is he wants to you know. I was just cracking a joke. Yeah, but with. With this, with the whole separate uh, and equal thing with um, Black Lightning, too, is the man's an educator, right? And here in, in the United States, one of the court cases we learn about in school is, you know, the Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education, which established separate but equal. And then one of them established that separate is never equal. So just the fact, too, that you have this educator using this and speaking up for other people i mean i, I think in general black lightnings that he's most interesting when they use the fact that he's a teacher because it's a mm-hmm. really unique profession for the alter ego of a superhero yeah. mm-hmm. uh it's always more interesting uh yeah. when they use that as part of his character um for sure so also i forgot that when his one daughter's name is also lightning so you have black black lightning lightning and thunder and i feel like we need to get her a different name no, yeah. I, well, it, it doesn't work when you say it like that. If you say thunder right. and lightning as a pair, it's quite right. easy and it works. <laughs> it does, but it's also black lightning and thunder, which is why that daughter was given that name. But then the other one just now it's lightning. You know, I don't know. Just let, let's let's get her a good name. It's black lightning know? and thunder and lightning. That's the yeah. that that's how you say. It. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. It works. So what happens when Thunder's not there because she's back in college and it's just Black Lightning and Lightning? Uh, the, the lightning squared. That's the, yeah, there you the, go. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean... This one's enjoyable enough. I like what it's hitting that story-wise. It does... Just, I mean, once it becomes the action scene, though, it is just yeah. kind of a typical short story with the action. Yeah. 
but mm-hmm. uh, th- I do think the, the start of it is really good and kind of the overall point yeah. of it's solid. Well, and and I like uh, some of the images that Criss Cross does here with them. So like you have this uh, during the fight scene, you know, when, when we see Thunder and her whole thing is she can grow her mass and hit hard, mm-hmm. you get her, you know, breaking stuff and teaming with her dad and sister. And it just, it looks very dynamic in places, but in other stuff, um, and other, it looks very posed and it seems to be lacking that energy, you know, but overall, I think the art's fine. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as the first story art wise. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a very clean art style. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, uh, next story is Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, and Bumblebee, which is called The Queen, The Bee, and The Symphony. So this is written yeah. by Stephanie Williams with art by Aletha Martinez. Uh, so, yeah. So this is this is weird. So this is, you know, Bumblebee as in the Titan Bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, and her... Also, they're, they're leaving her husband out, who's Boy Blue, who's also a superhero. Yeah. Who's well, also her, yes, featured. Yes. You know. Well, yeah. Well, her, her yes, her husband is putting on like a, a symphony that he's written because mm-hmm. obviously that's a big part of his character's his music. Yep. And they've invited Nubia to come see it. So the actual story of this, for the most part, mm-hmm. is the two girls spending time together and like Nubia trying on some like, uh, quote unquote, man's dresses. And what I mean by yeah. that is dresses made in the man-made world, which she's very yeah. impressed by. So they're basically just having a girls' day, and then. Uh, Mala and the Brain uh, show up to ruin it because they try to kidnap the symphony so that right. the Brain can get a special like private it, performance. Yeah, it was... So I love just the dynamic of Monster Mala and, and the Brain, but the fact that it was so Brain can hear the, the thing, it was like there was this bittersweetness to it um, that, that I enjoyed. So um, I will say on the art here, it if you would have told me this is Lupacino, I, I wouldn't have second guessed. It's very similar mm-hmm. to her style. Um, very clean lines, you know, uh, especially with the ink and the coloring. I'm sure that goes a long way um, to, to similar. But yeah, I think the art was, was pretty good. Um, yeah, art was solid enough. I think the this, this story here, you know, we're, we're getting into this sort of anthology, the pitfalls of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like you basically have a setup and then you have a fight and then it's over. Like that's yeah. basically like all you have. Um, and it's it's a, it's a random enough pairing. I, I don't know if these yeah. characters are associated with each other. I've never, no. but you know, whatever, no, it it's cool. <laughs> no, it worked. And the fact that Nubia, you know, has a soft spot for music because she was, you know, the guardian of death's door and that she taught herself the harp while she was there. And then, so at the end, you know, they asked her if she can play harp as part of the, you know, for the symphony. Um, so I thought that was all nice. They, they made the pairing work pretty well. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah nothing really nice to add. Uh, next is a Green Lantern story, obviously about mm-hmm. John Stewart. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called "Keeping the Peace" by Brandon Thomas and art by Natasha Bustos. So uh, this is so we get start with a flashback as John as a kid being bullied, and then we learn that this is him sort of reliving this memory, and he literally puts his like bad memories in Green Lantern boxes and compartmentalizes yeah. them, uh, which is kind of funny, but. He's basically dealing with this peace uh, negotiation between this like warring alien, you know, these two warring alien races on this planet, and they want to try and get peace because there's like a, another enemy potentially that might come and wipe them out. So they're they're fighting and bickering, and it's only when eventually they're seemingly attacked by this third party that they decide to ha- finally st- stop fighting and start actually. Mm-hmm solving their problem and deciding what their peace treaty is 
and it works. And the little twist of the issue is that this attack that was made to look like this third party was actually our young uh, Kelly, a teen lantern mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in space, who was firing this beam down. And this was John's ploy to make them work together. Because uh, he says that the only thing bullies really respond to is a bigger bully. And that yep. makes them... so. The, the, the Trillions are, were coming. And yeah. he does a good job making it look like a death ray, which I did. I loved all that uh, stuff. and But um, this this flashback got super dark that I wasn't ready for. Um, the, you know, the kids beat him up. The boys beat him up enough that he got put in the hospital. Yeah. You know, and, and John wants to go back and... Basically, try to tell young him don't don't do this, but then he also kind of at the end he he comes to terms with the fact that it that kind of made him who he is. It's one of his core memories because he will stick up for others. You know, well, that was the, yeah, that was the key part you left out is that he got beat up because he was sticking he up was for sticking someone up for, else. That's right. Yeah. All right, and so you know he's in the hospital, and then this whole idea comes from him reading uh, War of the Worlds while he was in the hospital. That felt like and, a meta thing to me. It was kind of mm-hmm. like him being influenced by what he reads is kind of like mm-hmm. a, hey, wink, wink, because, you know, kids yeah. are reading comic books and maybe we'll yeah. influence them kind of thing. There was like a, a sort of yeah. like, you know, Ouroboros kind of idea to yeah. that. Yeah, the, the memories in the Green Lantern uh, boxes, right, would, would make me... But then we just had a whole issue of Human Target where that's a crux, right? That they, they keep records from the rings in this top secret room on Oa. <laughs> um so you know it ended up working i did like the art here because it did feel there's a cartooning-ish but in a you know kind of in that that um bruce tim kind of style almost like very clean lines um yeah i wasn't expecting a teen lantern to be involved in this uh-huh. so that was actually a nice little surprise yeah that he's including her in this so it was just mm-hmm. kind of nice because she obviously she's yeah. like probably one of the newest characters in the whole book it was just yeah. nice that she gets a little bit of showtime. Sure. Doesn't doesn't get a character bio page like everyone else does, I noticed. No. <laughs> no. Oh, technically that is Black Lightning. I thought that was weird. You get to the end of the Black Lightning story and it's just Thunder yeah. and Lightning who get the bio, and I'm like, Yeah. I feel like they were <laughs> Jeff. We, 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 yeah. don't need, we don't need to know about Jeff. Yeah, what the hell? Name. What the hell? Yeah. yeah, weird. Anyway, next up we got Aquaman and Kid Flash. Obviously, this is a. Uh, uh, Joe, I always mix up Aqualad's name with the, the animated series name. Yeah. Which was Khalid. Cal- Calder. No, Calder. Calder. Yeah, Calder. Yeah, it was Calder. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now it's Jackson. Now it's Jackson. Yes. I always yeah. I always mix those two names up. Uh, anyway, so as this is Wallace, and it's him dealing with this idea that he doesn't feel like he's worthwhile, that he, everyone around him, like, oh, we got the discount flash. We didn't get the real flash or yeah. the, even the real kid flash. You know, so a lot of this is his inner worries that he's not even the first Wally to be a speedster and be Kid Flash. You know, Bart's yeah. the one who really is owed the name. You know, all, all these worries. I wasn't super into this story because I didn't really understand why Wallace got really aggressive with Kid Flash, uh, uh, with uh, Aqualad. I yeah. genuinely thought that he was like, affected by something and it, yep, we're going to find too. out by the end that he was like made angry by some mystical and- thing or whatever. Yeah, no, and it wasn't. It was he got put in such a bad headspace that he decided he was going to try to fight his friend. Which, granted, I've been there, right, uh, in in real life, but I don't know if I want to read that in in a comic, right? So, I liked all the discount Flash stuff because I mean, sometimes Wallace feels like the the leftover Flash, and I feel like there's been enough stories now that he has proved himself, at least to me as a Flash fan, that I, I like having him around. Like him and Wally's dynamic recently. 
um, where while he insists on calling him Ace, even though he doesn't want to be called that, um, you know, it, it adds to their whole thing. Um, but once, yeah, once he shows up and he gets mad at Jackson for leaving the Titans, even though everybody left the Titans, I don't know. There was just a... Yeah, little... it, it felt really forced that he got angry yeah. and started fighting Jackson. So I, yeah, like, I that just kind of made me not if, really get into the story at all. Yeah, if if he was under Thinker's, you know, thing, like he wasn't seeing things properly, right? He's just leaning into his anger and whatever. Then, it, But they don't go out of their way to tell us that at all. No. Right? I mean, yeah, they so. revealed that the Thinker's there and he was the villain yeah. entity that was acting yeah. suspicious. And obviously they take him on at the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was probably what was making him feel so you know, paranoid and worried about, right. like, who he was and his, his value as the Flash. Mm-hmm. But it just, it felt like he just started fighting him immediately, and it, I don't know, it yeah. just didn't quite click for me. Nope. Uh, but, you know, so, anyway, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, this is the, uh, I don't think I said the creators on this one, did I? Um, no. This one is uh, Dorado Quick and Jordan Clark writing with Clayton Henry on art. I will say, I usually don't like Clayton Henry's art, I do think his forehead problem wasn't that prevalent here, so that's no, a plus. Because he's covering Jackson's up with all the hair, you know, so we, we don't get distracted <laughs> by the five head here. And Wallace's mask kind of covers yeah. that part. Yeah, I guess yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why we don't have the forehead problem. But, but. no, the, the art's not the problem in this in this one. Like, I, I like all of that. Because the fight scene is even, even though I don't like the fight scene, it looks good. Like, he uses, you know, the the kinetic energy of flash with uh with with aqualad uh really well and then the scene where aqualad hits him with the bioelectricity you know kind of snap him out of it looks really good so um but yeah um yeah i think i get what it was going for i get that it's going for thinker influences him and makes him like paranoid and thinks he's not worth anything and that makes him fight uh aqualad but i i just i feel like it's so rushed and i just i don't think there's enough time to really establish that enough to make it work it's the rush aspect too because you also got to remember his his dad was a reverse flash too so there's also that little part in there and i wish they would have spent more time on on him and jackson bonding over the fact that their dads are both these big time supervillains. well not so much that version of reverse flash but you know jackson's dad's black manta that's his mentor's main enemy so You know, a little bit more on on that, and less of them like fighting, because because you know Wallace is upset by his own thoughts. But yeah, yeah, uh, ends with uh, a kid wanting uh, Wallace to sign something. Uh, yeah, you know, just to let him know that he matters to someone. That he's got yeah. fans. That he's influencing people and whatnot. Yeah. So because he's opening, did, did we say that he's opening like a youth center? Um, yeah, he's cutting a ribbon. Uh, he's cutting a ribbon, and you know, so. Uh, but the kid coming up and asking him if he wants to race, you know, he's like, I, I could be the Flash one day. You know, I'm the fastest kid at my school. I thought that was all super cute. Yeah, next up we got Cyborg. Uh, this one's written by Morgan Hampton and art by Valentine DeLandro. Uh, so, and I assume this is the team that's going to be on the book because at the end of it, obviously, it gives you a tease saying yep. this is you know, the miniseries yeah. that's coming in May or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, and I gotta be honest with you, I actually think that I am kind of into this miniseries yeah. after this short story. Me too. I was not expecting the silly catchphrase of Booyah to hit such an emotional part. Yeah, so um, uh, this is probably my second favorite story in the book after the Amazing Man story. It's uh, I really like the art, actually. Uh, yeah. It's got this really kind of uh, 
I don't want to compare it to foreigners again, but it has that really sort of flat it's, colors, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like style. Uh, yeah. So this this artist also did the backups in one of the Future State Batman books with uh, Mister Miracle. Oh, okay. When they were, the, when right, they were yeah. doing the Shiloh Norman stuff, um, and I, get, you know, I can see it actually. Now you said that, I can mm-hmm. I can compare it in my head. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And I just remember that name because that name's very very it stands out. So, um, but yeah, no, I I was like, oh, booyah, like in. It's, you know, I get it that that came from the, the cartoon, the Teen Titans cartoon, and, you know, it's not really part of Cyborg's character. They made it work here, and they made it work really well, so... Yeah, um, well, they're they're doing this thing where he's protecting this new fancy energy source, which apparently mm-hmm. comes from Ryan Choi, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which is, uh, you know, the Atom, the modern uh-huh. Atom, for anyone who's, who's not keeping up to date with that. <laughs> so th- this is uh, him protecting that. He's talking to the two security guards that he's in the van with, there's some kids playing baseball or whatever outside. And it sets up this idea that it's, it's the anniversary of his mother's death, which obviously is a big part of his origin because she died yep. in the lab with him when he became cyborg. Right. And he's like watching, like in his like eyepiece, he's watching like their favorite sitcom, yep. which they watch together. And so it's okay. This is setting up some of his backstory and some yep. of uh, like his uh, more emotional connection to it. And then uh, Livewire shows up to try and steal this energy source because it's like she's got this hunger for you know energy and this might mm-hmm. sustain her forever kind of thing so cyborg you know tries to get away with it and runs and he gets knocked out or whatever and he's like sort of has this sort of conversation in his head with his mother uh where she gives him a bit of a pep talk um yeah and mm-hmm. what was his sister um so, something about uh how he's like both powerless and super powerful and that's yeah. kind of important uh to like who he is yeah um but yeah so yeah and because so says... it, it establishes that you know she's the one who would say can i get a booyah and then he would fist yeah. pump her and say booyah right because that was from their favorite uh show that they watched together in, in the afternoons when he get home from school but yeah so he says i'm a hero people need me but i never choose i never chose to be this i feel so powerless so it's all about you know him not wanting to be cyborg again or which I heard that, I was like, oh man, but then um, mom reminds him, he's like, well, no, this is this is who you've always been. You're always victory. You're always going to come out of this stronger. Um, and then that's where it snaps him. He's like, oh yeah, and then they do the booyah. And then he wakes up, and when he hits live wire with it, when he makes the, you know, the cannon, it's, it, the booyah is so satisfying. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, yo, and then live wire grabs a kid, uh, and the kid's mm-hmm. got a hearing aid. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the art points that out so yeah. he, it, it sort of does that because uh, cyborg's got narration but then there's like a, a second type of narration which is like his computer system just sort mm-hmm. of like it tells you what he's, what he's doing and it says that he's scanning the asl database and he signs to the kid who's got the hearing aid to yeah. throw him his baseball bat uh uh-huh. which he which he does and then that's what helps him save the day and uh yeah and mm-hmm. you know gets to know the you know, says hello to the kid at the end you know, I actually really liked this. I thought the art was great. I thought the the emotional connection to Cyborg's mom, I thought landed. Um, I've you know I've read a you know a few lackluster like issue ones of Cyborg books that haven't really worked for yeah. me. Start of the New Fifty Two, Start of Rebirth, and they've been okay, but they've never really felt like well, that made me want to read anymore. They always fall into the trap of him is he a man or a machine? And what I liked about this is that it leaned into that he's just Victor Stone, even with all the electronic stuff. 
at the end of the day, he's still Victor Stone. See, here's the thing. I don't even think it's a problem. If they, if they give me a good man or machine story, like, I love science fiction. I can totally mm-hmm. get into that. I just don't think any of them have ever uh, quite landed for me. Um, right. So, but I i mean, I was going to try the miniseries anyway, but honestly, mm-hmm. I feel a lot, a lot more optimistic about it after yeah. reading this. Well, and the art's going to be uh, Tom Rainey. So, same same writer. Same, oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, where, where well, uh, Morgan Hampton is the writer, Tom Rainey is the artist. So, um, but yeah. and Well, that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit of a shame because I really like the art in this, yeah. but hopefully, Tom Rainey. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I like Rainey's art enough. It's been. I think we read Rainey in in uh, which was it? It was one of the Green Lantern books. I remember. So. Okay. Uh, but okay. yeah, I, I definitely I felt the same way. It's weird that we lined up like that, where I was not interested in the Cyborg book at all, but then after reading this and you know the the emotional spots that it hits and just the tone of it and you know him being in Detroit still and wanting to be part of the community. Um, you know, and again, hitting us with that booyah and, and it meaning so much to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it made it work. Morgan Hampton made it work. Yeah, next we got a Vixen and Batwing story mm-hmm. uh, written, written by Chuck Brown and art by uh, Patterson Oliveira. So that's, that's one of the ones that I wasn't as into. It's just kind of yeah. it's just kind of there. It's uh, Batwing so- and Vixen are on kind of a date, uh, although she's, she's protecting uh, her, her king or whatever. A but, king, yeah, a king of one of there that she's friends with. Yeah, uh, um, but they're kind of on a date. They're flirting a little bit. Bad guys show up. They use their powers and fight. Uh, you know, Black Man to be the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's mostly just a bit of fighting. And then at the end, uh, they kiss, and she flies him up out of the sky with her mm-hmm. powers and kisses him. That's that's really all it is. I, I don't have yeah. a whole lot to say about it. No. Um. Um. I mean, I guess this was established. I I I wasn't reading Batwing back when it was a book. So I, I don't know yeah. if this Batwing Vixen relationship was something that was already uh Like it didn't it didn't feel forced, but I also didn't want to read it. You know what I mean? Like I don't Oh yeah, I have no like, problem with it. Like the relationship's yeah. fine, whatever. If you want to put them yeah. together, put them together. But I, I just didn't really care that yeah. much about the story. No. Yeah, me too. It was the oh, uh black man is defeated but says, Oh, as long as I'm around, you know, the contract's still open and I'm coming back and I was like, all right, well... And I get why you want to put Black Man in one of these yeah. stories, because he's obviously also another prominent black right. character in DC. Right. Um, maybe in the Aqualad story would have been a good place for him. Yeah. But that, uh, was, more yeah. Of a, that was more of a Kid Flash story guest star yeah. in Aqualad, though, so... Right. You know, I, I, I don't right. know. Uh, but yeah, so... But no, it was it was fine. There was nothing... This definitely felt like an annual story, or like... This also uh, could have been uh, in the romance... One, it, yeah, right? it felt it felt like a, a just a short story in an anthology book for for yeah. better and mostly for worse. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then next up, uh, so that's the last of the new stories actually. But I did mm-hmm. read the next one because I hadn't read it before. Yep. Uh, so this is um from Batman Black and White, uh, vo- issue three from twenty twenty one. This is a John Ridley Batman story with art by Oliver Capel, and this is the Cavalry. So this is obviously Jace yep. uh, Batman, mm-hmm. and he's basically tied up in chains and he's been beat up by these like white supremacist villains mm-hmm. uh and they're basically saying you're not the real bat they're basically getting like oddly weirdly like protective you're taking batman's job even yeah. though these are bad guys who batman will beat the shit out of the first chance he gets it's yeah. like why are you why are you taking ownership over batman well, be- <laughs> because all they care about is his race they don't care that he's 
you know batman's not black to them so therefore i mean no like absolutely i get the point and i just i just there's like a weird absurdity to the logic of them i I just and it's very realistic i'm I'm not i'm not critiquing the book here for for getting something wrong i i'm saying that i believe this to be the case if you apply it to real world context i'm I'm just saying that i don't understand so so you're telling us that you think that white supremacists aren't the brightest bulbs yeah, Which I'm going to I say something controversial. I'm going to say something controversial, Matt. Yeah. I think white supremacists might be badens. I'm just going to yeah. throw it out there. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't. I don't know what that word. I've never heard you say that word. Um, what badens? Yeah, is that just like is that a Scottish slang thing? It's actually more of an English term. It just means bad ones. Okay. okay. If they're a gotcha. badden, they're a bad one. Gotcha. I don't know if you're calling them like bollocks or whatever, um, but. <laughs> You know, I, no, I love bollocks is a different word. Bollocks is testicles. Yes. What are you talking about? Yes, yes, I know. But you could say that they're bollocks too, because you know. Um, but yeah, there's <laughs> there's nothing I like more in media than a dumb white supremacist, because it points out how stupid their philosophy is. Um, and so here, the fact that they get so upset over Batman being not a white guy, um, it's just, it, it's, and, there's a weird like satirical irony to it. Yeah, it's like, but. Batman will beat the shit out of you anyway. Why does it? Yeah. <laughs> why does it matter? Right. Yep. So, um, but uh, I also like they're called the Igloo Boys, which again, if if you pay any attention to that whole vibe, which I do over here, because you know it affects us more. There, there's a group called the Boogaloo Boys, um, and there, there's a whole reason they call them there. But the fact that Ridley takes the piss out of them here by you know, yeah, it really annoys me that supremacists have tried to like, like. Now Electric Boogaloo, which people usually just yep. say is a joke because it's you know, the worst yep. movie sequel title ever, has been yep. taken by supremacists and yeah. now well, has this hidden meaning from them. Yeah, because that, that comes from the idea that there's going to be a second Civil War and the joke is it's Civil War II Electric Boogaloo, which led to them calling themselves Boogaloo Boys it, or they were calling it the Big Luau, hence why they're wearing Hawaiian shirts in this. So again, Stephen Ridley is someone that is, or John Ridley is super um Stephen Ridley was a football player <laughs> not to be confused with this writer um John Ridley is very in on social movements you can tell just from this um and and stuff to it and so yeah so just the fact that, that they're in the the Hawaiian shirts and all this other stuff tells me he pays attention as much as I do to this stuff yeah. but yeah um um, but yeah, so, so... I mean, the, the big thing with this story is just the art, really, because this gorgeous black and white oh art, the fight scene plays yeah. out. Um, because I haven't read most of, like, I read the start of the, the Ridley Batman stuff, but when the ongoing started, I kind of fell off it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that he had a sidekick. So, I, so when this sidekick shows yeah. up, I was like, who's this? And then it wasn't until the last few pages where yeah. it reveals that it's his little sister, and I went, "Oh, so it's the oh, yeah. I remember her as a because oh, yeah. she was she was in, she was in the book already as a character, mm-hmm. but obviously yeah. she's become his little uh, Robin esque sidekick." Yeah. Uh, so she ends up billing him out, and they go off on their bikes. Um, mm-hmm. So, she's, I like the fact that she asks if they can use guns, and he says no. She's like, "Yeah, but it'd be so much easier if we could." <laughs> um, just yeah, just her her dynamic there. Um, but yeah, also. So reading back through this, right, we get a Batwing and a Batman uh, at, the, at the end of this. I did not realize that Jace is meant to be the you know, Lucius's oldest son, but he's also, they don't have the same mom. That this is Luke's half-brother. And, like, yeah, that, I did so, not so, well, that was one of the things that that opening, uh, the, uh, the foreword mentioned, is that... Mm-hmm. Um, 
he, uh, later on he revealed uh, Jace's mother, which actually did create. So, uh, so when he, when he showed this character to his son, is yeah. uh, the son said something to the uh, what was the word he used? Blasian, I think. So, Blasian, I, which yeah. I assume just means half black, half Asian, uh, right. would be my assumption. I've never heard it before, but I assume that's yeah. what it means. Um, so uh, apparently that's what Jay says now. Now that it's been revealed that his mother okay. presumably is of Asian descent. That was then... all. I just I just thought I was missing something. I was missing a different. No. Um, a reaction to that because I did read that. I remember reading that in the foreword, but I thought that that was just a conversation he had with the son that there was no Blasian superheroes. Nah, so cl- um, clearly at some point he's revealed okay. that JC's mother is whoever. Um, gotcha. So, um, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed this story for the art. Yeah. It was, you know, it was it was really pretty. If nothing mm-hmm. else, the characters bounced off. They had that brother sister dynamic going, uh, quite well. So, um, yeah, it was solid. Uh, so I mean, overall, as far as these anthologies go. Uh, this one's relatively good because it has, I'd say, two stories that I really liked, uh, a couple that were decent, one or two that I wasn't so keen on, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a reprint at the end. Technically, there's two reprints, but I hadn't read this one before, so I read the Batman one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember talking about it probably with Connor um, probably. on here. Because I remember us having the same conversation about the Igloo Boys and how they were penguins. You know, Ridley makes them penguins crew that got together to do you know yeah which works obviously because it's part of his old his shtick (laughs) yeah so but um but yeah so i I just assumed you had read it too but no upon the read reread it still holds up even though it's a two-year-old story at this point um, yeah it's still still all lands all the character stuff still there and again never going to be mad at black and white quapel art like it just it's real pretty to look at so you know it's a win i want to make a movie that's like about like a diverse group of characters and call mm-hmm. it eclectic boogaloo. Why'd you give that away for free? Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yes. I'm a genius. All right. Uh, all right. So that's actually the, the wrapping up of the new book. So I've got some Patreon books to look, to look at. Uh, American Vampire, issue 29. So this is uh, one of my Patreon books. Every month at patreon.com slash TV. Well, the higher tiers, you can make myself a corner, read a book. Uh, so last issue set up that Skinner was working for the VMs and him and Pearl are going to investigate the Hollywood elite that may be hiding vampires uh, in their mansions or or whatever. Uh, and the, the start of the book is a lot of Pearl reminiscing because this is the first time she's back in Los Angeles since uh, she became made a vampire back in the 20s. And she goes up to this mansion with Skinner and talk to this, uh, you know, rich producer or whoever he is. And he's all very suave. He's got a martini in his hand. And as they're talking to him, he's been very friendly and forthcoming, but he's like, I need to go feed my cats. Come and help me feed the cats. And he, he takes them back, out back, and then it turns out his cats are actually a, a big cage full of lions. Um, and he throws in some meat and then opens the gate, and that's when a vampire shows up. Because all throughout this, like, Pearl and Skinner are like, can you smell anything? He's like, no, there's something fishy, but I don't smell any vampires. But eventually a vampire arrives in a cloak because it's daytime, so obviously hiding from the sun. And fight breaks out. Pearl goes after the vampire while Skinner stays back and deals with the producer dude who sets his lions on him. So we get Skinner Sweet punching a lion in the face and then kicking a lion in the face. So a lot of fun action in this issue. Uh, Pearl goes after the vampire. And what's interesting here is that when Pearl goes after the vampire and throws... Uh, like the chauffeur onto another car with a super strength. She, you know, she grabs the vampire, pulls him out into the sun. Uh, she has a one-liner where she says she's tanning. 
but the producer says some very ominous things about knowing who Pearl is and knowing who her husband is and that they're in that he's going to be in danger. So it really sets up kind of like, you know, this is really kind of like, you know, Henry's on his last legs. Because Henry in the last issue, of course, was attacked and is in like a comatose state in the VMs. Um, the back half of the issue, though, after they've killed all the lions and stuff, is Pearl being like, all right, Skinner, fess up. Like, why are you working for the VMs? What's going on? What have they got on you? Um, and, you know, he doesn't really want to, uh, you know, he isn't why to offer up the information. He doesn't really want to talk. Um, so she goes back to the VMs and gets an update on Henry, who, you know, may you wake up, but it's, you know, it's, it's unlikely. So she's feeling very down about that. So she asks this new agent, like, okay, what's what's going on with Skinner? What, what, what blackmail material have you got on him? Like, wh- why is he working with you? And this is when he reveals that they've actually got, like, a device that's implanted in him that can release gold dust into his uh, blood. Uh, so, so it can release different types of dust. So for our different vampires, it would be their weakness. But for for him, it's... And I know you want to make a wrestling joke, Matt. I can see it in your face. I'm just saying. <laughs> gold dust was also Booker T's weakness. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Right, so yeah, it's revealed that, yeah, so they've got this device, and this is how they're controlling them. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but the reveal at the end is that the vampire, the local vampires, uh, the one who got away, and it's like, okay, what, you know, because <clears throat> uh, when they were talking to the producer, like, there was a sniper who shot at him right before he talked. Um, and so we hear them say, why didn't we just kill Pearl and Skinner when we had the chance? Uh, and the vampire's like, Trusting your sire, and the art here in this last couple of pages is gorgeous because the the vampire who's speaking in charge is all in silhouette, and you've got all the vampires in their cloaks listening to him. Um, so uh, they think they're protected in the VM fortress, but you know we're going to take them out soon. Um, we're going to uh, blah blah blah. They're going to be torn apart uh, by who she's going to become to trust, and it turns out that Skinner Sweet is with these vampires. He's working with them. And we see there's a big cut on his chest, which maybe suggests that this device has been taken out, that maybe they have taken out for him by cutting into his chest. Uh, maybe it's just the, the scar of where it was put in. I'm not sure. But lo and behold, we can't trust Skinner. Are we shocked? Are we shocked that we couldn't trust Skinner's sweet? That maybe, oh. we just maybe, he was going to betray everyone or at least they're teasing it maybe maybe they'll swerve me and skinner is actually going to end up siding with peril but i mean at this point it's hard to believe or have hope for that uh but yeah skinner's gonna skinner <laughs> uh skinner's gonna skin her no skinner's gonna eat skinner sweet's gonna skinner sweet you know He's just going to do whatever the best case scenario for Skinner is going to be. Uh-huh. And if that's helping Pearl, then it's going to help Pearl. But if, it, if it, it's getting himself out of there without, that's what he's going to do. So, yeah. No, enjoyable issue. Some fun action. Uh, good art, especially towards the end. Yeah. I will say, uh, you know, th- this arc is is fine so far. But that, that Lord uh, Nightmares mini yeah. that was before this was so good. It, it does yeah. feel like a bit of a step down, but it's only because that Dracula arc was so fantastic mm-hmm. that it, this just can't compare yet. But uh, um, we'll see where it goes. Did we talk about, uh, was it on here? Did we talk about how I believe that Bill Paxton's character in Near Dark inspired Skinner Sweet? 
I'd love to ask. I thought thank you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So watching Near Dark for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I forget his character's name, but Bill Paxton is probably the best part of that movie for me. Um, I don't think that's not. I mean, you don't like the movie as much as you should. But even people who love the movie, most of them will say Bill Bill Paxton is the best part of it. Most yeah. people will agree with that. Just his entire vibe. Finger licking good. Yeah. Just his entire vibe reminded me of Skinner Sweet. And I'm, I would love to ask Scott Snyder if there was a little bit of that in there. There's a moment. And I know those characters are kind of an archetype also of kind of the bad boy out for themselves type. But there was just a whole vibe that Paxton had to the character. There's a moment early on where he's try- they're all trying to pick up victims and he's hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where he sort of like slicks his hair back and puts his thumb mm-hmm. out and puts on this fake smile. Mm-hmm. It cracks me up every time I watch that movie. It's like yeah. he's putting on his friendly persona yeah. to lure in victims. Mm-hmm. He's so charismatic in that movie. Yeah. It is unreal. Yes, uh, Paxton is Paxton is great. Your dad's great. Top five vampire movie. Easy. There you go. But yeah, I expected you to fight me on that, but all right. <laughs> I'm not going to because we we differ so much on vampire stuff. So you know, um, I like trash with the Lost Boys. I like Lost Boys, and you do not. So, and I'd much rather watch Lost Boys again than Near Dark ever again. So. That's just... Oh, Near Dark's got Tangerine yes. Dream music, though. It's so good. It's hypnotic. Uh-huh. It's great. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that's all. I'm at, at 8 out of 10, I think, uh, comfortably. Mm-hmm. But uh, not reaching the same heights as that, as that previous arc, I would yeah. say. Uh, and then, next up, uh, so I'm going to be doing Batman and the Outsiders, the 80s run. Um, but that kicks off with a sort of preview uh, that was part of the extra-long Brave and the Bold issue 200. I'm just going to talk about the outsider story in it, but uh, that's mm-hmm. what this is uh, from, this next thing I'm going to talk about. So uh, this, this was basically just, this is kind of like how they obviously had the book launching soon and they put in like a, a story that's setting it up or teasing what that what that book was going to be in Brave and the Bold 200. Um, so it's a fun little story, actually. So it's, um, you know, it's uh, set in a hospital. And it starts with Jim Gordon talking to this uh, uh, criminal that they've got, like, you know, padlocked to the uh, the hospital bed, who wants to kill himself, and that's why they've got him chained up. Um, he's like, free me and I'll finish the job uh, with you. But, you know, and they're protecting the hospital, they don't want anyone to get to him, because they, they want to take him in and, you know, prosecute him or whatever. And this issue is effectively... This gang of this guy's like sneaking in. They've got like a, a medical supply truck that they come out of, and they're all dressed as doctors and nurses. And they shoot the security guard or the the, the cop that's outside uh, doing, you know, protection detail or whatever. And they're all coming in, and uh, they, they all put their fists in the air and say, "Cause the the bad guy's name is um, Miklos," and they all like me as Miklos wills, and they all put their hands up in the air. So they're very loyal. And they try to get to him so they can break him out and kill him because that's what he wants. And the issue is effectively how the, each of the outsiders are introduced one by one. So first up, we've got a nurse who doesn't understand what the bad guy's saying or what this other doctor's saying to her because he's like trying to like say, "Hey, let's go to the Clash concert. Uh, how about it, baby?" And she basically sort of goes, "Wait, Clash is a conflict. How can it be a concert?" And I'm not a baby. A baby's an infant. I don't understand. So obviously I'm like, okay, clearly this is not a human character. This is a character that doesn't understand how humans speak. 
so this turns out to be Halo uh, on the next page um, mm. with their very, uh, you know, tricolor outfit. Uh, and one of the bad guys has got a flamethrower. Uh, I think it turns out to be Firefly, actually, but he's not in the Firefly outfit. He's just, he's in like a white doctor's outfit, just with a, like a fire, like a flamethrower pack on. Um, but he's like firing stuff around and she's trying to like protect people. And then that's a couple of pages. And then Metamorpho comes in and puts a big like bell shape over him so that when he tries to fire his flamethrower, he just like, you know, <laughs> makes himself go puff. Um, yeah, so it's a fun time. And then there's other villains going around and maybe my favorite of the reveals of one of them being an outsider is there's an old granny with the, with the, uh, oh, it's actually not, it's, it's like a trolley she's got. I thought it was one of those walkers with the four legs mm-hmm. you see some old people have. Uh, but this old lady's not an old lady. She it looks like an old lady, but then it, the face comes off like a mask. So I don't know how good this mask was that she was wearing, but this is Katana, who was pretending to be this weak old lady, who then starts beating up, uh, one of the bad guys. Uh, and then uh, Black Lightning was pretending to be like a janitor or something, and he like sh- you know slips into his costume. And this is eighties Black Lightning with the uh, the more jumpsuit looking outfit. Uh, so we're definitely in this era. Um, so fun stuff with all these characters fighting. Um, you know, there's, it's basically a lot of them dodging bullets, and uh, I think Katana's sword fighting with someone, and you even get a little like moment where her sword speaks to her. Uh, so it's setting up all these various things mm-hmm. and uh, Batman shows up outside and we've not seen Batman yet he just shows up uh, outside uh, quite late on in the story and it basically it all escalates when one of the last bad guys who was dressed as a cop shows up in the room with a bomb strapped to his chest and Batman and all the characters introduced so far are there and they're like you know say, try to stop him and outside we see one final character be introduced uh, because we see the explosion come out of the, the window of the hospital and this character outside reveals himself to be Geoforce and he uses his powers to sort of stop all the debris that's coming down on people. And uh, yeah, so... And then we go inside and he's like, oh God, I hope no one got hurt in the explosion. And it's revealed that Metamorpho shielded everyone with a big, you know, mm-hmm. solid structure. Yeah, um, whatever he did to transform himself. So, I mean, there's not much to the story. It, it's no. fundamentally just a roll call of here's introducing each of the members of the outsiders yeah. one by one, and that's basically it. And then at the ending, Gordon's like, wait a minute, Batman, is this some kind of, uh, you know, new Justice League? And he's like, no, Commissioner, uh, and I'm not in the Justice League anymore either. This is the Outsiders, and we'll be here when you need us. Um, and that, that's basically just all it is. It, it, it's a roll mm-hmm. call, and yeah, so it's... Uh, uh, Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo uh, doing the book um, and they are the, the creators on the, the main book as well so that, this is very much just a roll call of who the, the characters are going to be in the team um, and it is fun though Like I, 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 even though I vaguely know who the, the team is just because I know who the outsiders are um, mm-hmm. it was kind of fun piecing together like you know the, the tease of, of Halo and then uh, you know Geoforce out of nowhere towards the end it is kind of interesting which characters are still in outsider stories and which ones have kind of like gone away because halo and geoforce aren't really in the modern outsiders but black lightning and katana still are yeah so when, when i think of the outsiders i usually think of black lightning katana and metamorpho yeah those are those are the ones that i always see 
and usually katana like katana is the one of, that i always associate with the outsiders like because the first outsiders team i ever read was uh it was nightwings it was nightwings team uh right after infinite crisis right after the teen titans so it was made up of like half titans and katana basically mm-hmm. was, was them um uh and so yeah but like halo i'm not that familiar with but but geoforce i feel like he hasn't been around for a long time now you know so it's not just him not well not well, him as an outsider but just like him as a dc character i feel like wasn't he underutilized. In, uh, wasn't he in the uh death of razagul stuff yeah he ended up being the one behind it but yeah. up until that point like he wasn't really yeah but that was pretty recent yeah but again <laughs> from from the time i can't remember for him showing up like i remember them using markovia ben just used markovia a lot for that for his whole um who was that uh leviathan stuff and i kept expecting you know brian to show up there but um but yeah so no um halo i'm trying to what is halo's power is she she do stuff with light yeah when she, she was definitely firing yeah. rays around and she yeah. seemed to be flying so i mean oh. halo i'm not super familiar with halo as a character yeah. so i hope that i get a bit more of like her backstory once i get into the, yeah. the series proper um, so i can't remember if she's an alien or not because like you're saying a lot of stuff where she's like interdimensional it definitely sounds um, like she's not from earth yeah. at the very least right. from this issue um you know and the art's very much of its time but it's really solid though it's very clean mm-hmm. very straightforward to watch uh, you know, it does. There's like a sequence where Black Lightning sort of like flying down a hall and sort of dodging like gunshots, and you know, it's just pretty solid. Um, yeah, I'm excited to read this because, like, I, you know, I, I've always wanted to read more kind of stuff from like the early post Crisis and like Bronze Age era, and this is kind of you know, this is early. This is before Crisis. This is like a couple of years before Crisis, I think. Yeah, I want to so. say it's like 79, 80. No, it's in the eighties. It's like eighty three, eighty four. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Um, why did I think the ti- or why did I think the outsiders went all the way back? I, I don't know. So th- this is yeah. like a you know, because New Teen Titans is right at the start of the eighties as well. Yeah. So that'll be a few years into it by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always wanted to read more comics from this era. They are a little bit more dense. They take a little bit longer to read. They're, they're, you know, they have a bit more descriptions in their in their panels and stuff. Uh, but uh, and because I I grew up on modern comics, they feel really dense to me versus <laughs> uh, like what I what I think of as a traditional comic reading like, but. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to read this run though. Yeah. I'm excited to get into I, it and read this uh, part of DC history that I've not tackled yet. Yeah, during the pandemic, I I got the um, New Teen Titans uh, issues that introduced Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, and Raven, mm. and they weren't poorly written, but they were written of a different era. So when you're talking about the density of them, oh yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, it yeah, because I've to read, read them. the start of the New Teen Titans run, and I do mm-hmm. want to go back and read the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but the, the issues do take a while to read. They're very dense yeah. uh, for, yeah. for what they are. So, um, uh, so the only thing I'll say, uh, this, is, this is not to do with the quality of the issue or anything. For some reason, because it took me a while to find this, because it's in the collection. So there's like three hardcovers that collect the whole run of, of uh, Batman mm-hmm. and the Outsiders. And this is included in it, which is good. But for some reason, it's between issues three and four in the trade. So I had to, mm-hmm. like, I looked up, like, is it there? And it said it was in it, but it wasn't at the mm-hmm. start. And I was like, where is it? And I, I, it That's was actually, weird. it was like the user reviews on Amazon. One of them mentioned it's there, but it's between issues three and four for some reason. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's helpful. So I went and found it. But yeah, so yeah. yeah I why it's there and not at the start, I don't know. 
maybe maybe the first couple issues are actually going to form the team so that's the idea is this takes place after that but i I figured i should read this first because this is how it was presented first this was the tease before things kick off so right the chronology um, of it but yeah so that that's uh uh the story from brave and the bold 200 uh, so next time I, I do one it'll be issue one of batman the outsiders uh, there is an issue of i want to say new teen titans that uh slots in somewhere it's in the trade though so you know i'll, I'll just get to it when i get to it but uh yeah so there, there is like three nice card cover collections that collect them um i'm reading the digital trades obviously because I, I just mm-hmm. that's how i read books now but uh yeah so uh, there you go uh, so that would normally take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week. Uh, and we could do some of it, I suppose. We could do panel slash moment. We yeah. can pick art and we can pick... Uh, well, cover's a bit pointless, to be honest. But... I would say, unless we're going to we're gonna open it to all the covers, because as you were talking about American Vampire, I was looking at the covers. Oh, sure. Uh, you uh, know, unless we're going to... Because there's, there's some good ones for, for I, I mean, you know... I don't think there's any point in ranking the books, to be honest. I, I no. think, honestly, it's panel slash moment of the week in the best yeah. art because you you can pick you know any of the stories from power yeah. uh, to to pick. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> okay. Do you, panel, do you want me to go first? Yeah, panel slash moment, Matt. Go for it. All right. So, um, I really want to pick the, the the Godspeed reveal from from that story, sure. but. If if I could, I would pick the entire uh, Amazing Man story because of what that. Oh, me down. you can't. I mean, okay, we'll stretch to a couple of pages, Matt, but an entire story is no, a bit. I know, because what I want to say, because trying to find a moment from there as a top moment, because the whole thing was good, but I will pick the 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 scene where he punches the the Nazi robot and it turns out to be a guy, um, uh, or the the clan robot because that's just good. You got you got to punch clan robots. Yeah, that's good. I think I am going to go with Flash. Uh, not the Godspeed reveal, though. I'm going to go with mm-hmm. that story, but I'm going to go with uh, the first time you see like someone holding the knife like mm-hmm. in silhouette. I just like I got excited. I was like, "Oh, like who's who's yeah. this speedster who's got a knife that's going to kill them?" Yeah, I, I just like I got a cool vibe from that. I was into it. Uh, and then best art, um, I, I I would probably go with the cyborg story and mm-hmm. uh, DC Power. That one or the the Amazing Man, I thought was was really strong, but I also was a fan of that the art in the Godspeed story. Yeah, the um, art in Godspeed story was good too, actually. It was pretty good yeah. too. So, um, um, but if I'm picking, it, it's probably going to be the Amazing Man story as yeah, well. Yeah, I'll go with the Cyborg story. I really like the art in that one. Um, yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, we could rank the stories in the power, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't really don't feel. Was... I feel like for what that book is trying to accomplish, representation. <laughs> Maybe ranking them is not right. Feel, yeah, it feels uh, a bit weird. <laughs> it feels yeah, a bit that's weird. just me. Like, um, um, so, yeah, we'll yeah. just forego the usual format of that, I think, yeah. this week. Uh, just because it's, it's a weird week with two books, and they're both anthology-style books, mm-hmm. and it's, I don't know, it's a bit odd. So, right. uh, we'll just leave it at that, and I will tell you what's right. coming next week from DC Comics. So, obviously, we're into the February books now mm-hmm. for this next week. Uh, so, coming up, we have Batman 132. We have The Flash, 792. We have Poison Ivy, issue 9. Batman the Joker, the Deadly Duo, issue 4. The Joker, the Man Who Stopped Laughing, issue 5. Gotham City, year 1, issue 5. Lazarus Planet, Next Evolution, issue 1. Monkey Prince, issue 11. And Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, 120. So, yeah, still a quiet week for me. I've only technically got uh, three books looking at this list. 
Yeah, so I'm looking at the Lazarus planet next to evolution for mm-hmm. some names. Um, and and we, we do have a Ram V story in there. Oh, really? Um, uh, given that yeah. I've only got three other books, I may yeah. give it a whirl then. Uh, the writers on this one are Chuck Brown, Brown and T. Snyder, Ram V, and Del- Delilah S. Dawson. So, you know, um, there, there's that. Okay, I, I don't want to promise it, but I might look at it since yeah. I've got the other books. Because I've only got Batman, yes. Flash, and uh, Gotham City Year One. Yeah, I have, I have Batman, Flash, Poison Ivy in, in Year One. So, and Monkey Prince. So maybe maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, um, you've got a couple more than I do. So you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And time, time has not been easy uh, with, with work lately, so I'm um, trying to fit them in. Uh, but, you know, it makes me read before bed. So, you know, finding time then. Good, good I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. I mean, we only had two books this week and we ended up being a two-hour show anyway. I mean, thanks to the news yeah. more than anything, but uh, good stuff. I can't also. just bit my foot and it hurts real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize she was under there and I moved my foot and then she was like, oh, I'm right here, a-hole. Oof. Nah, it's, your, it's your fault. You deserve Dog. it. Oh, Alright. This is your fault right. for being barefoot, Matt. That's what that is. I'm not barefoot. She bit through my sock. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I didn't realize she was right there and I moved my foot to, like, stretch. And she was... I think she thought I was trying to kick her. Uh but no, all right. Mm-hmm. I'm good now. God, that hurt though. Whew. All right, this is the Cosmo Multiverse episode uh, three four two. Did I say that at the start? I think that's what I said. Uh, sure. So, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, of course, uh, worth pointing out. Uh, this is actually DC related, but uh, uh, over one of our movie shows, over Mail Fuzz Movies, is the Collector's Cup, and we worked through franchises and like subgenres and things like that. Uh, February's uh, theme. Uh, our franchise is uh, the Ninja Turtles movies, and so the first episode just went out of Ninja Turtles, uh, the 1990 movie. But uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up, but I mean, obviously, I like to promote the other content we make anyway. Yes. But uh, specifically in this case, the bonus episode, if you're a patron, uh, is the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie. So that might be of interest. Uh, uh, myself and David talk about that, and I'll just the short version. It was a pleasant surprise, actually. I I thought it was pretty good. So. Uh, if you want my full thoughts on that, you can get that as a bonus episode over at Patreon. If you want to support all the content and uh, get some goodies, uh, including early access to this show at the $5 tier. Uh, whenever it's ready on the Saturday night, I'll put it up. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you want to support the show that way. Uh, but, you know, click on all the links, uh, share us out, rate the podcast on your podcast app. All these things help us out a lot. Uh, and, of course, one of the higher tiers is the producer tier, so I will thank our Patreon producers right now for the month. Thank you for Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Uh, and thank you to everyone who supports us in any way, big or small. All of it does help. So, thank you very much. And that is the show. That's Cause from the Moyverse. Thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.